Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com. We are professional grade. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And this week, we're stepping back in time as we open Elizabeth's secret diary. We've busted open the lock. We've broken in. (laughs) (laughs) And there are some juicy secrets behind that. The cover of this leather-bound tome. Uh, Well, it's leather-bound on the cover, but um, actually, you should just say it's covered in fabric in the book. So not for the first time, there's a discrepancy between both. (laughs) Um, Well, this is an unusual, uh, we're, again, we're, we're at the start of a new era because this is the period um, in even, you know, we're approaching the period in the main feed where we don't get proper covers anymore. And the same is true for Elizabeth's Secret Diary. So um, we're going to dive right in with taglines and blurbs, but bear in mind the edition that we would have purchased at the time and the edition I myself own has no cover tagline at all. It's just a ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> we were truly robbed. But um, because the American edition, which Karen has kindly sent to me, which is an amazing sort of fold out extravaganza, <laughs> it has a super long cover tagline, which I will share with you now. It is, everyone thinks Elizabeth Wakefield is Miss Perfect. Only her diary knows the truth. <laughs> a hidden letter, a forbidden kiss, a passionate secret romance. Oh my God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the drama of it all. Can you share the full blur, please? Oh my God, I sure can. Okay, I'm excited. Uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> so it's kind of, yeah, it starts with like Elizabeth, dot, 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 the untold story. Uh, and then our like proper back blurb uh, is like a diary entry. So it's a uh, dear diary, Todd and I are finished. I've never been more miserable in my life. It all started when I found a letter on his desk from a girl in Vermont. It sounded more than friendly, <laughs> if you know what I mean. I should trust Todd, but he didn't make things better by getting mad at me for being a snoop, as he put it. <laughs> as you were. I mean, she really was. Also, I know. I've never been more miserable in my life. Seriously. You were kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> you were held hostage for several days. You were in a coma. <laughs> but this is definitely worse. <laughs> she continues. <laughs> I know what you're thinking, diary. I have no right to complain. When Todd was gone, I let Nicholas Morrow kiss me. I even fell in love with Jeffrey French. Hashtag poor Jeffrey. (laughs) I think someone actually says poor Jeffrey in this and I did lol. (laughs) (laughs) But Todd doesn't know the worst. Only you, diary, know the true story of what happened between Todd's best friend, Ken Matthews, and me. (laughs) 
Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Read all about Elizabeth's steamy affair in this special edition featuring classic moments from Sweet Valley High books 20 through 30. The first volume of Elizabeth's tantalising secret (laughs) diaries. Tantalising is pushing it. Also, I got confused when I was trying to look for my old notes on my computer because I was looking for like book 20. It Mm. isn't. It's like book 23 to book, Mm. I don't know, 31 or something. To 31. It is because it takes in Taking Sides, which is the one where Jeffrey turns up and Enid and Lila are fighting over him. So it actually, yeah, you're right. It's more specifically books 23 to 31. (laughs) But I guess that doesn't flow as nicely as 20 to 30. That's fine. They won't know. It does not. Um, and as we take a look back at those classic books uh, in in the text of The Secret Diary, we also do with the cover. And uh, I mean, as I said, we don't have a proper cover on the um, UK and Ireland edition. But Karen, can you describe the magnificent montage that oh, the American uh, readers got? It's great, yeah. Because I, like, as as you said, I have a copy of an American version, which was very kindly sent over by a listener. Uh, so, like, the very front of it is just a big, like, full page portrait uh, of Liz. But I don't think it's a James Matthews is the thing because no. the cover artist, the cover artist is this guy Bruce Emmett now. Um, but weirdly, it's like. So it's, yeah, it's this like new picture of Liz. Lovely. That's all good. It's still Jonna. Like that's, that's all for sure. Mm. Um, but yeah, when you open it out then, so it is a montage, which is great, but it's like, I think, I don't know if all of it or some of it has been like repainted. It has. Bruce that is Emmett. definitely not Todd and Liz from the cover of Say Goodbye. But yeah, it's the same it's, poses. And it's the, the same. same this is the thing. It's the same models, the same poses, the same clothes, but it is new paintings of these covers basically which is kind of weird but you know what that's fine uh also because (laughs) one of them is of course ken from the cover of love struck looking (laughs) dreamily off into the distance but without suzanne clinging to him this time uh so it's like a little new (laughs) makeover for ken i guess (laughs) (laughs) so there's like yeah and as you say they're all put together in a little montage like a big movie poster kind of. So we've still got yes, a big portrait yes. of Liz on the inside. Then we've got the cover of Bitter Rivals, which is like Liz flanked either side by Enid and Amy, uh, all of them in their Florida retiree pants. Um, of course. Then, yeah, there's Liz and Todd from the cover of Say Goodbye. There's beautiful Ken from Lovestruck. <laughs> <laughs> all jazzed up for the 90s uh, and then down in the corner there's Kara and Stephen uh, from the front of Memories I think it is um, yeah yes. so it's, it's a lovely little mixed bag of kind of some of the books that it goes through uh, in the, the diary kind of recap because like essentially this book is like like when a sitcom does a clip show it's like it's that oh my in God. Sweet Valley terms <laughs> it absolutely is with yeah. little- something something at the end this is the um, thing yeah because there there is some juicy bonus content which was very delightful there really was and uh, uh we uh, we have a lot to get through listeners mm-hmm. just gonna say it now my husband is in the next room and he's about to interview uh oscar nominated irish actress jesse buckley so if you hear any random noises coming from the background <laughs> it is a very talented uh, irish hero yeah so um, yeah it's okay it's, it's celebrity noise so it's all very exactly. glamorous so don't even worry about it it's more exciting <laughs> than if the bin lorry comes down the street or something so. <laughs> yeah any noises on my end are just going to be me knocking something over or like somebody <laughs> knocking on the door unexpectedly so it's much less fun over here <laughs> we may get that in here too who knows <laughs> hold up to your hats listeners it's gonna get spicy <laughs> 
Well, speaking of spicy, this book begins with a prologue mm. set in Todd's house, where Todd picks Liz up and uh, sits her down at his desk on top of his science book. And you know, it might be, uh, and gives her a, a crooked grin. And as my notes say, this might be sexy if it wasn't them. <laughs> this is the thing. It's funny because like, the main books of Sweet Valley, they're so sanitized. Everybody's on their best behavior. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing more than kissing ever. But like this one does feel a little saucier, doesn't it? Than like the general Sweet Valley, like whatever the rules for writing like makeout sessions or whatever were in, in the main books. It feels like they've loosened up for sure for this oh. diary. Because I mean, it's they probably have. a stretch. It's a stretch to call any of the scenes like steamy, but like... <laughs> There's, there's just, there's just an extra layer of something going on here for sure. There really, really is because we get like a whole page of Liz like lusting over Todd and his, uh, his lean build, his adorable brown eyes that she says I could gaze into for hours at a time. Sometimes I do actually. <laughs> um, and then she she lists all the amazing things about his personality and then says well I'm a writer I could list about a thousand adjectives that describe him that wouldn't be great writing this I was, gonna, I was gonna say surely that's that's the whole thing of being a writer isn't it <laughs> it's just listing yeah. adjectives that's what you do all day <laughs> that's how you describe something you use as many adjectives as yeah. possible <laughs> just pack them in there <laughs> well uh Todd says he's doing a science experiment. It's a, it's quite a sexy one too. This is it. It's like he's like, yes, this could be an experiment. You know, I'm trying to find out what happens to Elizabeth Wakefield's body temperature when I kiss her like this and like this. <laughs> and she whispers, it shoots up, way up. Jesus. <laughs> And then she she also says uh, to her diary that they don't usually let themselves be alone together in one of their bedrooms because they're just so horny. I guess they can't can't be contained. I guess this is the thing. It's so funny because, like, I must say, Diary Liz is kind of a horn dog, and I kind of love oh, it. She <laughs> sure is. She's way more fun than like regular book Liz. I mean, that wouldn't be hard. But um, <laughs> the the phone rings, and uh, Todd uh, jokes, "Oh, it's the makeout patrol. You know, they're coming to get us." But then he picks up the phone and says, "Yo, Matthews." You can just imagine the extremely dorky way he says that. <laughs> But it is funny as well because <laughs> there's lots of very 90s references, I feel like, in oh, this. Oh, yes. Even though it's recapping books that were written in like 85, 86. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, people saying yo. And I don't know, <laughs> it just feels 90s. A lot of stirrup pants going on in this as well. Just FYI, <laughs> everybody. And it's just, it's funny when they're like, oh, and I was wearing this. And it's like, no, you weren't. This was 1986. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's some retconning, uh, yeah. which I, a few retconning things that I, I was not happy with, but we'll come to them later. Um, <laughs> because now Liz isn't, quote, levitating with delight from Todd's kisses. She moves off his science notes and she sees some pale pink stationery and <gasps> uh, she's not happy with what's on it. No, it's the stationery of a slut. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> She's like, oh, I'll just see who it's from. But like the return address on the envelope is Michelle Thomas in Burlington, <gasps> Vermont. So she's like, what? So yeah, she just can't help herself and ends up reading the letter or at least the, the opening line catches her eye because it begins with, hey, cute buns. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> and it's hilarious because it's like, it seems very uncharacteristically Liz, but the line in the diary is, who did this chick think she was calling my boyfriend cute buns? <laughs> Which does not sound like her at no. all. <laughs> and because we're told Todd is still, and I do quote, yucking it up <laughs> <with> the can. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way this is written is so funny. I love it. <laughs> no, it really is entertaining. Like, this is the thing we have to convey from the start that even when in this book they are literally just recapping a book that wasn't even that great to begin with. Um, and it should be said there are some absolute bangers in the mm. you know, there's a few duds, but most of the books in this one were pretty good. Um, the style is genuinely quite sparky. Mm. Um, you know, it's got, as you say, like there's, it's, she's way more of a horned dog. She also has more of a personality. Oh, way more. Like she's kind of bitchy and messy. And it's like, where was this Liz in like 94 fucking books, lads? We could have used her. Because <laughs> she reads the letter and uh, apparently uh, Michelle concludes every anecdote with, wish you'd been there. Two exclamation points. It, it just isn't the same without you. And she thinks she uses too many exclamation points <laughs> and too many endearments. Oh, no. Yeah. The tone is affectionate and playful and familiar. Uh, and she's like, you know, I want to believe Michelle was just one of Todd's old pals, but suddenly I felt queasy. Uh, and she's kind of, yeah, she signs off the letter. It's like lo- lots of love and a hundred kisses, Michelle. Uh, so Liz is kind of freaking out because she's like, this is the kind of letter you write to your boyfriend uh, mm. and realizes it's a lot like the ones that she would have written to Todd back when he first moved to Vermont so she kind of checks the date thinking maybe it's going to be an old one that this is from ages ago uh, but the letter only arrived a week ago yes apparently if this is an old flame the flame still burns <laughs> so uh, Todd hangs up from Kevin and depra- oh, Ke- Kevin how dare you oh my god I'm sorry I'm, I actually feel I should beg for forgiveness but... yeah I'm not talking to you now <laughs> you can do the rest of this podcast on your own <laughs> Ken, Kenneth, if I may, uh, hangs up and Todd approaches with his eyes alight with love. But Liz, she's such a fucking drama queen. She thinks, but it's not all his love, she thinks, fighting back tears. He's holding some of it back for Michelle. So uh, Todd notices her, her stricken expression and she's like, who's this bitch? Todd is rightly, did you read that? And it's, I know we have had many stupid arguments with Todd and Liz before, but this is so stupid and escalates so quickly. It is deranged. It is bananas uh, because, yeah, he's mad at her for having read it. She's mad because the letter is there in the first place. So she's just like, you're still in love with her. I can't believe you never told me you'd someone special in Vermont all this time. And Todd is like, what are you talking about? I was never in love with her. It wasn't like that. You're totally getting the wrong idea. She's like, don't tell me it wasn't like that, cute buns. And then he, she goes in, she's like choking back sobs and uh, going on about, um, you know, uh, like how much she trusted him. She thought they'd wiped the slate clean and wow, he's two-timing her. And he understandably is like, I'm not two-timing you. What is going on? <laughs> you can at least let me give you the benefit of the doubt um, and explain. But Liz can't bear to... Or, or, told listen to any lies about Michelle because the letter has turned her world upside down so she gives the most melodramatic speech 
Can you share her final words? I sure can. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so she, uh, she she jumps down from the desk. She's like, it's all out in the open now, Todd. Why don't you just go back to Vermont? And she like crumples up the letter and throws it across the room. Just go back to the girl you really love. <laughs> what? Like, how did this happen? It really, it really does escalate so quickly and so ridiculously. <laughs> Well, we cut to Jessica saying, this is really pathetic, Liz, and she speaks for all of us. <laughs> um, because, uh, yeah, Liz is lying in the dark back at the Casadel Wakefield and um, Jessica says she won't be able to have any fun at the beach disco that night if she's worried about Liz moping at home. So she persuades Liz to join her and Liz gives in because apparently uh, when Jessica makes up her mind about something, she's like a freight train barreling full speed ahead. Speed ahead. I mean, it's not wrong. No, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> so the whole gang is there at the beach disco, including Bruce and Pamela. Now, who's Pamela again? I think, yeah, we did have a Pamela mentioned at some point, but I also went and checked and I feel like this book actually comes out like post book 100. Oh, um, yeah, it's the later so, years. Yeah, so they're, I don't know. I, I feel like there there was a Pamela at some point, but she's obviously going to come back if this is teeing up in any ways with, mm. uh, with the kind of timeline that this would have come out in yes uh so it's like yeah this is kind of a bit ahead of where we are at the minute yes and yet looking back way further than (laughs) (laughs) before so yeah it's all over the place i mean time is a flat circle as we'd probably ask pretty much yeah so uh liz can't enjoy herself despite of, of course being able to remark on how beautiful the um the beach disco and its environs are because she's thinking of happy times with Todd and it's like what has he been thinking of Michelle all the time we've been back (laughs) together so she's in such a bad mood she kicks off Jess's uh, sandals that she's borrowed and she heads to the beach to mope and then a shadowy hunk approaches and sees her wandering on the dark shore and who could it be it's Jeffrey (laughs) he's alive my notes were just like the return of Jeffrey so glad to see him (laughs) Well, Liz bursts into tears and he hugs her and uh, then she remembers how much she loved Jeffrey and she is a total dick to him. Disgraceful behaviour. Oh God, it's terrible. Um, Yeah, she, yeah, because she's remembering how deeply she loved him and how much it had hurt when Todd moved. Uh, Oh yeah, when he moved back to Sweet Valley and she had to choose between the two of them. Uh, And she's like, the last time you held me like this was the night we broke up all those months ago. Uh, And poor Jeffrey is like, yeah, it doesn't feel like that long ago because I never stopped loving you. So poor (gasps) Jeffrey has just been pining for Liz this whole time. And, and like, we literally did not see him between him being dumped and then his brief cameo in <laughs> Army in Love the last yeah, time. So, Jeffrey, like, like gee, honestly, he, he was that, out of sight, out of mind. That from, man has been left for dead, like, by that entire school. <laughs> He's just been missing in action completely for, like, so many books now. <laughs> Like, you know, when he was going out with Liz, he was a full part of the gang. He was friends with Winston and Maria and Ken and, you know, the lads. And not as soon as he's uh, dumped by, from, by a wakefield, he's just drifts back into the shadows. His stock has plummeted in the school. <laughs> well, they're in the shadows now. And uh, Liz, because she's a bitch, uh, lifts her face to Jeffrey and tightens her arms around his waist. She... Um, our lips met, and like a tidal wave, his warm, wonderful, wildly unexpected kiss washed away my sorrow and my fear, my loneliness and my disappointment. <laughs> I was in over my head, but I didn't care. 
It felt too good, letting myself drown in Jeffrey's eyes, his arms, his steadfast love. Like, sweet Jesus. Also, like, her and Todd just had a fight. They have not broken up. Liz, what the fuck? (laughs) She is a terrible girlfriend. So bad. (laughs) So later she sneaks home and tries not to wake Jessica as she goes to bed. And we're told her lips still burn from Jeffrey's kisses. Because apparently it's like they didn't just have a sort of a once-off and then be like, oh, shit, what are we doing? Mm. Oh, no, that night kept going. Yeah, they uh, they walked on the beach, then sat in his car and talked and hugged and kissed some more. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, those fuck. seats went down and <laughs> so did somebody else. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, like, that isn't just sort of the thing you can, you know, brush off as like, okay, a moment, moment of madness. Of yeah, like I was upset. Yeah, no, this was, this continued. <laughs> they had time to stop and think and go to another location and keep going. <laughs> this is also really unfair to uh, hashtag poor Jeffrey. Absolutely. Like he's single, so there's less fault for him for sure here. Like this is all Liz just completely taking advantage of the fact that poor old Jeffrey is still inexplicably in love with her. <laughs> oh God, I mean, seriously, Jeffrey, you can do better. But mm. um she uh, she she remembers how caring and supportive uh, he had always been and how, you know, how much she'd loved him. And then she remembers that she had been torn between Todd and Jeffrey before, but she'd chosen Todd and apparently it felt inevitable. And she's always thought since then that he was her first and her only real love. Um, but now she thinks, you know, maybe she didn't make the right choice. <gasps> and she uh, looks for a sense of perspective to... Some volumes on her bookshelf. <laughs> I love. I just love the thought that they're sitting on her shelf like a series of encyclopedias or yeah. something, just like volumes of the musings <laughs> of Elizabeth Wakefield, because it literally is like years and years of my most secret thoughts and feelings recorded on those pages. Like I lifted a volume at random. It's like <laughs> wow, dude, this is excessive. <laughs> so yeah, she picks one of her many diaries off the shelf to uh, try and, and get her head right, and sits down and opens the book and begins to read, which actually kicks off the actual diary portion of the, the book. flashbacks <laughs> oh which is most of this book until the very end so mm, we're, we're heading back in time now sure by the way like as well as a whole you know arranging them like an encyclopedia how the fuck does she have volumes of, i would guess based on the last you know whatever books um mm. there, she's got a lot of you know drama to document but like I kept a diary from the age of about 11 on and I think by the time I reached 16 I had it was one large notebook <laughs> like I mean I don't I mean I guess then after that because I kept diary all through college I got through three very large notebooks mm. but um like you know sort of hardback style notebooks but even so, a whole shelf of them by the time you're 16, even in uh, Sweet Valley. I mean, also doesn't sound very secret if they're all just sitting there on a shelf. So like, of course, oh Jessica's God. been reading them the whole time. She's read every <laughs> single word of them. Like Her favourite series. Yeah. And ours. <laughs> so uh, we get um, the the first flashback and we, uh, we're back to the days of Say Goodbye. It's the... It's the dramatic talent show, Christina Rossetti poem from Liz's point of view. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we were all remember this. 
so Todd, in case you have forgotten, decided the best way to tell his girlfriend that he was moving to Vermont was to read a really sad poem um, <laughs> and then tell her afterwards. Oh, public. God. But it was also like the last act of the talent show. So he really just brought the fucking vibe of the whole thing <laughs> down with his bummer fucking poem. <laughs> Because everyone expected him to do like a stand-up bit or some kind of comedy routine. And then like Todd just gets up at the end of the night, kills the vibe stone dead with his fucking Christina Rossetti remember poem. And it's like, oh my God, this guy's the worst. By the way, when I was a scriptwriter on Fair City, the Irish soap opera, I had to write an episode that involved planning a funeral and we needed something that wasn't in copyright that somebody could read out loud at it. And I suggested this poem and it was in the episode. So, Oh my God, I love that. (laughs) And I definitely first encountered this poem in Say Goodbye. With the previous book, whichever it was. Tribute, your tribute to Todd Wilkins. <laughs> Christina Rossetti, who? It's all Sweet Valley. Absolutely. So uh, we, um, we, get, we get Liz's sort of outpouring of sorrow. And I've got to say, this is probably the least uh, exciting part of her mm. diaries because it is quite realistic as a diary of somebody who is very miserable, but... It's also very realistic as a diary of somebody who's very miserable and about as entertaining as that would be, which is not very, it's <laughs> not very, very. Yeah, also like we've read this book before, and it's like, yeah, it like it's it's when he's gone that the kind of crack kicks in because this is just her being really sad and feeling yes. sorry for herself. Yeah. So uh, yeah, she uh, she does admit to her diary a secret that she's never told anyone before, but that's. It's uh, it's that she fantasizes about having Todd married, living in the future, San Francisco, New York, Denver. Who knows? <laughs> she just pictures them growing old together because that's how. I mean, that's the the most exciting future she can imagine is being like ninety five. Side in by side. which is nice when you're like my age but you know when you're 16 sure 16. your fantasies will be slightly more exciting i also just love that denver is thrown in there as well. yeah. you denver you're on lizzie's list <laughs> you made the cut good for you so uh yeah enid you might all remember this enid is throwing todd a goodbye party at the beach disco for his sort of last night and liz kind of wishes that they could just be together and they you know rather than surrounded by pals Mm. of course they sneak off they have an emotional scene on the beach and he um gives her a locket and they vow to make it work yeah and then we get the uh, the actual farewell and uh, it does still get to me. Remember when we read this the last time? I think anybody who has ever had to, you know, say goodbye, <laughs> they were going out with, um, I have to say, did you quite capture it quite well? Oh. Just the sort of feeling of disbelief that it's actually happening. So yeah. I cannot mock it. I'm sorry. Oh, it's too real. I'll tell you what I can mock. A week later, Liz is writing terrible poems. Oh my God. <laughs> Can you share her? She calls it a sad little poem and it sure is. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Because, yeah, it's like she tried to write a short story thinking that might make her feel better. But instead, this is what she came up with. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Okay. (laughs) The woman waits in the house by the water. A wide brimmed hat shadows her face, shielding her eyes from the glare of sun on sea. The sea empty day after day, empty of sail, empty of hope as she paces. The Widow's Walk. <laughs> it doesn't okay, need a rhyme. 
okay, the French lieutenant's woman. Like, where did this come from? <laughs> I do love that, like, Liz is so set up as this incredible writer and poet, and she's amazing at everything. But her poetry is dog shit. It's so bad. <laughs> and we get quite a, This is one of the, the highlights of this book, is that we do get some of her appalling poems. They're all hilariously awful. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, she thinks that Elise Todd is novelty of, you know, the novelty of being in a new place where mm. she is surrounded by reminders of her happy past. And she's writing to him a couple of times a day. Oh, wow. That is a lot. That is a lot. So she's letting everything else slide, basically. Well, she's letting uh, all her commitments slide. You should slide into her, not her DMs, but her, <laughs> her I don't know, the casa. Into her letterbox. What's the, what's, what's the 90s equivalent of your DMs? It is just literally the post box. Yeah, <laughs> or writing a message on a toilet door in your place of education. But I don't think he's going to be doing that. No, that's the opposite of a DM. That's like a tweet. Oh, that's true. Public yeah, tweet. that's way too public. Uh, anyway, yes, what we're getting at is that Nicholas Morrow basically is fucking slithered oh. onto the scene again here. So, uh, yeah, he asks her to take him to the Sweet Valley Regatta, which he's covering for the Oracle. Um, I did check it in the books. Jessica kind of pushed him into doing this. But mm. um, Liz never really finds this out. And Liz uh, is, Liz at one stage grudgingly admits that uh, she says, I, um, Jessica's my sister and I adore her, but sometimes she can be so dot, 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 shallow. Forgive me, darling, <laughs> but it's true. You could say a lot worse about her than that. That is like being, a lot worse. That that feels generous to me. <laughs> <laughs> so later, Liz writes in her diary that uh, she uh, she was annoyed when she was asked to recover the regatta by Mr. Collins. Hey. <laughs> yes, he appears in the shadows in this book. True. Uh, but apparently she had a blast cheering Nicholas on. And in fact, when they were out on the SS implication, for it is here that it debuted, <laughs> she has so much fun, she almost felt guilty. <laughs> True. Also, I did laugh that the boat is actually called like the seabird and I had just completely forgotten because it is simply headcanon <laughs> now as the SS implication. That is what his boat is called. <laughs> like, hey, a seabird, that brings a bell. Yeah. I was like, nah, that's never going to stick. Well, she thinks any other girl in Sweet Valley would have killed to be in my kens at that moment. I marked that out too. I was like, oh, look at it. I love this. It just feels so 90s. And it's like, this book is definitely from like 1985 for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, where are you going with your kids? I love it. And we're reminded of what an absolute prick Nicholas is because when he brings, uh, you know, up what happened when, you know, he tried to take her out to that restaurant where they had doves and gold cages and stuff. <laughs> she literally tells him she doesn't feel comfortable about talking about, you know, mm. like any sense of them and a romantic relationship. And of course, Nicholas absolutely does not stop. No, like he does say, oh, the last thing I want is to make you oh. uncomfortable, which he is literally doing because she just told him. Uh, and he's like, I'd never force myself on you, Liz. And literally spent like the next few books just badgering her oh my <laughs> bothering God. her and as we find out in this book like he's even worse than we thought because this boy will not leave her alone like he is oh. awful he's a sexual harasser um yeah. 
So he says he'd like them to be. He says he'd like them to be friends, and she's relieved um, because uh, she's the naive fool who believes that he's being honest about this. Um, and so she's like, "Yeah, that sounds good. Yes, we can be friends." Then he's like, "So how about coming over to my house tomorrow? We're gonna have a barbecue." And she's like, eh, "Going out two days in a row," and she realizes that yes, you know, she had told him decided not to see any other people, but like literally in the week he's gone, she is spending an entire weekend with a guy she knows fancies her. It's like, yeah. yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's but like yeah, Nicholas is also terrible and genuinely does not take no for an answer. Like and kind of guilts her into always agreeing to stuff. Like he's just <sighs> awful. So the next day, she reads a uh, letter from Todd. Then she transcribes the whole thing. Which... Yeah, she does this every so often, which is kind of funny because it's like I'll just copy the exact details of this like letter slash note slash message here in case I lose the original, so we just get clued in on exactly what was going on in that book, which is pretty funny. Well, she uh, Todd in his letter says he knows how strong Liz is, and she's like, "Yes, I feel pretty strong too." And me and Todd are together in spirit, even though we're three thousand miles apart. He's close beside me now, and then says, "Writes, hmm, and I'm in my I'm in bed in my nightgown." Down. Pretty naughty. I have to write and tell them all about it. <laughs> it's so good. It's like they're they're having like letter sex, which takes ages. <laughs> Nobody gets off. <laughs> uh, le- well, I don't know how fast the uh, trans country postal system is in Britain, so maybe it's you know, le- or in America, maybe it's like less than twenty four hours. I mean. <laughs> Still too slow. Uh, it feels it feels like it will take longer than that though for yeah. things to get <laughs> across the entire country. But yeah, just so funny. <laughs> well, apart the next day, she writes that it was a big mistake to go to the barbecue because Nicholas may have insisted his intentions are platonic, but they are clearly not. Because mm. he, seriously, he has been. She has said to him she doesn't want to like have these conversations, and he keeps forcing her. Yeah, and he and, like he invites her to take a walk around the grounds, like he's Mister Darcy or something. And, <laughs> Um, she, he uh, she he asks her about her and Todd dating other people, and um, she keeps thinking like, oh, she couldn't say no to going for a walk with them on her own without being rude. And these, this is such a terrible message. Well, it's that thing, isn't it? It's like your safety is more important than some guy's feelings. So yes. you can be rude. It's okay. <laughs> but then she's kind of stupid because he because she says like look we're not dating other people and he says oh but does that mean we can't go to the new James Bond film like this Wednesday and she thinks oh a weeknight cinema trip that doesn't sound too dangerous come on Liz just keep your distance from this creep (laughs) so uh, she's like oh I'd love to and then he seriously like she should just run after what he does next yeah, well, this is the thing. When she agrees to go, then he's like, oh, good. Then I do stand a chance with you. And it's like, you clearly have not listened to a word this girl has said, like, in the last two weeks. Uh, and before she can respond, apparently, Nicholas placed both hands on her shoulders and kissed the tip of her nose. Uh, when he touched me, I jumped. So for all I know, he was aiming for my mouth, but missed. Like, he is such a fucking creep. He makes my skin crawl. Oh, oh my God. Really? I mean, she also says, one thing's for sure. I keep missing the target when I try to get across the idea i only want to be friends this is not your responsibility you are saying it he is not listening i know and i know and like (laughs) i know we've gone through all this already with these books but like he's just awful like she has been telling him i just want to be friends i we're not dating other people like so fucking leave me alone and he just keeps at her it's awful yeah 
So she's about to ring and cancel with him, but uh, Jessica persuades her not to. And Ian agrees. Ian's like, you know, you can't be tied down. Just see what happens. So we cut to Wednesday. And Jessica, uh, or sorry, not Jessica, Liz is, uh, is getting dramatic as she tells her diary, I feel like a boat cut loose from its moorings, a bird that's fallen out of its nest before it's learned how to fly. I haven't heard from Todd all week. <laughs> the drama. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, apparently Todd phoned uh, when she wasn't home and Jessica spoke to him. So since then, she hasn't heard from him. And I had to go back and check because, and it, mm, and it is revealed too. later in this, but it's like Todd stops calling and writing because when Jess answered the phone that time, she basically tells him that like Liz is miserable and she's not going out with her friends. Yeah. She's not writing for the paper. You're holding her back. You should set her free. So Todd's solution to that is just to fucking cut her dead, basically, and just not talk to Liz anymore. So of course, of course. she's confused and like what the fuck is going on why is my boyfriend not calling me anymore or returning any calls um but yeah like again we did do all this we did (laughs) so uh nicholas calls over and apologizes and liz is like oh he was so sweet um and uh he was really apologetic for kissing me and she's like do you know what i did diary boy did i surprise him and my myself too she asked about for dinner and admitted she uh it, well, as my notes say, she asked about the fucking Egypt. And <laughs> she admits that she was flirting with him. Nicholas was delighted. So he's taking her out to a fancy Italian place. And uh, it's basically, you know, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. <laughs> By the way, we do get a little uh, sub uh, subplot recap of which um, was actually a really fun subplot in a not particularly fun book um, in the original. It's when Jessica's working for the dating agency and gets all the dates for Stephen that are wild and crazy. So, um, Oh, yes. Yeah, that poor girl Jodie that Liz just basically laughs in her face at uh when she turns up at the house she looked wild <laughs> she looked and there was piercing. a middle-aged oh woman as well that's right yeah so she was probably 30 <laughs> <laughs> so a few days later enid tells liz that look she's clearly on the rebound uh with this nicholas stuff and she is not wrong and um the next day liz admits to her diary that she's still in love with todd and she feels sorry for nicholas do not feel sorry for him Oh, God, he's awful. Yeah, she's like, oh, poor Nicholas is getting caught in the crossfire. It's like, Nicholas is putting himself in the fucking crossfire. Like, you had been very clear with him and he kept pursuing her. So obviously she caved at one point. Like, they went for dinner. I think she kissed him as well after. So now it's like, oh, I'm so confused. And I really do like Nicholas. It's like, do you though? Or did he just wear you down? Like, which which is it? (laughs) It is 100% just badgering you into submission. So um, she decides she's going to break up with him at Lila's party. That's a brilliant idea. Just don't go to the party (laughs) with him. Um, So uh, she goes to to the event and has to admit that Lila throws a good fiesta. And she wants to break up with Nicholas straight away, but he basically talks too much to let her have a word in edgeways. <laughs> oh God, yes. Just just continuing to be awful. <laughs> so uh, he, um, she realises this is the first time that they, she's sort of been out with Nicholas like as a couple. Mm. And we know how important your debut is <laughs> in Sweet Valley Society. <laughs> Take these things very seriously. <laughs> So she's very uncomfortable, but of course, Nicholas whisks her onto the dance floor to dance in a slow set. And she pretends it's Todd. She has her arms around. But then she looks up. And who should she see? Fucking Todd. 
He's, he's there. there. Oh my God. Yeah. And I remember this because it's like he was back in town to like close his father's bank accounts and make inquiries. And it's like <laughs> none of the shit that you would send a fucking idiot 16 year old to take care of. Like what is Mr. Wilkins doing? <laughs> what sort of dubious business was this in Vermont? I mean, what really. Who sends are we tying up here exactly? <laughs> <laughs> Who's being pushed into the, into the regatta with Honestly. some concrete shoes? <laughs> <laughs> like yes there are some bodies being buried here for sure <laughs> well Nicholas takes her home and she praises him for being so understanding you owe him nothing mm. <laughs> um, so he says Look, you've got to choose you can't mess me around anymore she's not messing you around you've been badgering her into doing stuff she's not usually comfortable with <laughs> like he backs her into a corner now he's like oh you're making mind games with me like, fuck <laughs> off Nicholas <laughs> So she wonders, uh, she says they have to be friends and then she wonders how many hearts she'll break tonight, including her own. <gasps> so, uh, yeah, she comes home and um, Jessica comes home too and reveals she persuades Todd to ghost Liz. So Liz runs away and um, finds Todd uh, outside his parents' house. They reconcile mm-hmm. and she thinks their love is strong enough to survive goodbyes. Oh. So uh, the only fly in the ointment of her happiness is Stephen. Oh, yeah, he's, um, yeah, this is kind of coming into, which one is it? Uh, is it the, Memories? The next book, oh, yeah, Memories, where like Betsy Martin is like mm. being a real bitch to Stephen because he's <laughs> daring to show interest in Kara Walker, whereas Betsy's like, no, remember my dead sister, you're never allowed to move on. Uh, so he ends up hanging out with Betsy Martin the whole time and just kind of really wallowing in the misery of Trisha having died and yeah. like just does not move on with his life at all. And it's really unhealthy and bad <laughs> yes and that's basically that whole subplot yeah so well, actually it wasn't even a subplot in that book it was the plot plot, but, was the plot uh, you're right, yeah. <laughs> before we get to that we've got an extremely saucy scene when uh, liz writes to say really late that after she and todd made their goodbyes which is what we saw in the book mm. there was more Yes, again, this is like deleted scenes. It's great. <laughs> so it's like of the DVD menu of, of Sweet Valley books. Um, this is the bonus content. So yeah, like Say Goodbye ended with the two of them at his house deciding they were kind of going to date other people, but they still loved each other. It was all like, oh, this is a good conclusion. It was like, this is very vague, lads. Nothing has been resolved here. Mm. But uh, but yeah, so it's late Saturday night and uh, Liz is writing in the diary saying the most romantic thing in the world just happened where she could like, you know, hear tree branches or something going on outside. But uh, she looks outside her window and there's Todd standing on the lawn in the moonlight. <laughs> and apparently her dad had been fixing a rain gutter. So there was a ladder leaning up against the mm-hmm. house. So Todd climbs up it and very Dawson's Creek climbs in her <laughs> yeah. Bedroom window. <laughs> <laughs> and Liz kisses him and says, You've just congratulations. You've just become the first man to successfully scale Mount Wakefield. <laughs> oh, you're Mount Wakefield, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he leads her to the bed. Oh my God. I did have to laugh though, because she does kind of say about how you know, it was two in the morning and there I was in my short skimpy nightgown. It's like, why does it come down to your ankles and not the entire floor <laughs> at this stage? Like skimpy nightgown, like absolutely not. She wears no. a fully buttoned up Victorian <laughs> nightgown to bed and we know it. A hundred percent. But uh, when Todd leads her to the bed, she says... She laughs and says, if you think for one second that just because we may not see each other for months and months, we should. But he chuckles. <laughs> 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 that would be a 
powder killer if ever there was when somebody <laughs> chuckling at you and uh, puts a finger to her lips and says uh, I won't try anything I promise um, so he takes her in her arms at the at the edge of the bed and she wonders maybe I, it wouldn't hurt to crawl under the covers just to warm up and then thinks who am I kidding <laughs> and uh, she's got a solution to keep warm uh, yeah, she's like, oh, I was just thinking I need one of your very best kisses to stop me shivering. And he gave me one of his very best kisses right then and there. Oh, that he did. <laughs> but yeah, like, this all just feels way saucier than, like, regular Sweet Valley. And I'm so here for it. So much saucier. It's finally Sweet Valley Nights. It's happening. <laughs> Literally. It's oh, Climbing in bedroom windows, snuggling. Come on, we know what Ooh. you're saying. <laughs> Well, the next morning, Liz is basically walking around with like the post, you know, post sex glow, <laughs> except it's probably from no tongues kissing. But still, <laughs> she's got that sort of, you know, you're walk, like walking around with a big you know, grin in your face kind of uh, vibe, which we definitely have not had before. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah. So I actually think good for you. Yeah, get some. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever so, that was. <laughs> I don't know. Probably barely anything, but still. Whatever turns you on, Liz. Whatever it does. Um, so uh, she's in a, in a great mood and it is quite sweet. But mean, uh, Stephen, however, is just uh, spending the day um, with Betsy wallowing about Trisha. Mm. And after t- Liz bids Todd farewell, um, again, because he's officially off today, which I guess yeah. is the scene we saw in the original book where we didn't have Sweet Valley Nights. Uh, she, <laughs> she goes shopping with Enid um, because... There was a big charity volleyball game, and then there is the post-charity volleyball game dance. Yes, of course. <laughs> you can't do anything without a dance attached to it. Come on. <laughs> so uh, Liz tries on dresses in the designer shop, but then what should she see out of the corner of her eye? Well, she thinks she sees Todd coming out of a shop across the way. Uh, Enid thinks she's hallucinating because, of course, Todd is midair on his way to to Burlington at the minute. Um, So they kind of run all over the mall looking for this guy, but then they can't find him. And she's like, "Okay, clearly my mind is playing tricks on me because Todd is definitely not here anymore. So Mm. what is going on? Well, the next uh, or a few days later, she says she needs to ask her diary something. Is she losing her mind? (laughs) Because when she went to get team lists from Coach Schultz um, for the Oracle, she thought she saw Todd coming out of her office or his office. Yeah, so she keeps seeing this guy around and she's like, what is going on? Who is this guy? Uh, apparently, the, like, it's not Todd, but uh, the resemblance is incredible. They could be twins. Uh, so, yeah, she's kind of infatuated and she's like, I have to admit, I find him attractive. What can I say? He's my type. <laughs> I mean, just, good point, Liz. So later, uh, Todd called and uh, calls and afterwards she tells her diary that she burst into tears because he was just talking about some great girl called Gina, who's the cheerleader type. She's friends with a bunch of guys in the baseball team. And Liz thinks snarkily, I'll bet she is. You have to admit, I really like this bitchy Liz. She's so salty. It's brilliant because like after chatting to him or something, she's kind of like the cheerleader type, the gang. She sounds nice. She's like gritting her teeth at the picture of some peppy miniskirted bimbo pouncing on her boyfriend and she does this a few times where she calls like girls that Todd mentions like oh she's a bimbo and it's like yes Liz get her like I mean I just love this bitchy side to her that we never oh, really no. see properly I don't approve of the you know slut shaming in theory no. but I have to say when it's in practice it's just like just get some nastiness out of you come on she's like she's never been more relatable than when she's like slagging yeah. up other girls which I know is 
bad feminism and all the rest but it's just a bit more real or something or it's it really just is. a cider that we haven't seen because it's always so fucking holier than thou with her it's just like okay be a bit normal come on well actually at one stage she she tries to be she tells herself she should be happy for todd and grateful to gina for you know taking like making todd part of the mm. gang but then she writes grateful to gina who am i kidding i'm not that much of a saint she'd better keep her paws off <laughs> <laughs> but that's just so much more realistic than her like rising above everything like it's it's great just being mopey like yeah. anger is more relatable than just oh. and more interesting than just like oh that's it it's more it's more it's more fun to read this than it is to just read pages of her moping and well the terrible poetry is quite entertaining but yeah when yeah. it's her being miserable it's not as much fun as her being really bitchy for no reason <laughs> So, uh, yeah, the next day she um, she reveals she's found the identity of the mystery boy. He's in the big Misa team um, and she wonders if his personality is the same as Todd as well. And thinks, wouldn't that be wild? Gosh, I'd fall for him for a ton of bricks. <laughs> so um, she can't wait to meet him, but she's also still worried about the whole family are worried about Stephen spending all this time with Betsy. Um, yeah. He like, isn't even going to college, but I mean, that wouldn't be anything new. Yeah, that's not that much different to usual times. But yeah, like it kind of... Yeah, yeah, that whole book was just him, yeah, kind of hanging out with Betsy all the time. Everyone's like, oh, this is a bad idea. And then him getting all defensive and angry whenever anybody mentions yeah. it to him. So, uh, yeah, Jessica wants to fix him up with Kara. Apparently it's her mission in life, along with flirting with Winston. Uh, spoiler alert, this is the one where she thinks Winston's uncle, who's a film producer, is coming to mm. town. But it is his uncle who works in waste management. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Lila and uh, Jessica. Oh, my God. I'm going through all the names. Liz. Um, I think that Kara is selfish and shallow. Now, this is bitchiness that is just mean. Um, because she does say, like, the last thing Stephen needs is to be involved with someone as self-centered and shallow as Kara. She's gossip about a snob, and then says, Oh, do you diary know my mean streak? Which, yeah, now this, yeah. know it too. But this was, was, yeah, this was just mean, mean and not entertaining because I do remember this as well from that book where, like, she was, like, really horrible about Kara for no real reason. Like, Kara was no worse than, well, like Jessica is much worse than Kara. Like I oh was only God, ever yeah. just like a bit of a gossip, but like nothing malicious about Kara ever. No. Like you know, whereas yeah, the whole time Liz is like, oh, she's not good enough for Stephen. She's not good enough to date a Wakefield. Like if anything, Liz is the snob because she keeps banging on about how unsuitable Kara is. True, and actually, this is the thing. Like her bitching about all the girls who are like fo- jumping all over Todd. That's mm. kind of that's relatable because that is that's like understandable. Your yeah. boyfriend, but yeah. this is just like this girl is not well. Worthy of my brother. Yeah, that's just weird. <laughs> it is. Well, they're all way too invested in Stephen's love life. But anyway, <laughs> um, so we uh, we cut to Friday, and Liz has a confession to make. But at least it has to be said she can laugh about herself. So, um, yeah, they have the volleyball. She's fantastic. Getting ready for Michael Sellers versus mm-hmm. he uh, the Todd lookalike. She was so distracted by his hunkiness, she missed Ken's captain speech. And she fucks up the game in the first half and we're told her face is as red as Jessica's shorts with shame. But uh, <laughs> she, it, it's not enough to stop her basically perving all over Michael Sellers. Yeah, uh, she's, well, that's it. She, her, she's playing awful because she's so distracted by him. Uh, she's like, he's, he's like winding up for a serve and she's like, what a buddy, I thought, spellbound with admiration. And what style? <laughs> so, so yeah, she keeps making an absolute hames uh, of the volleyball game and just messing everything up. So everyone's kind of trying to cover for her. Everyone's wrecked on her team because they're all trying to like fill in for her, missing every shot. Uh, so it's mm. all going terribly for her. So yeah, they get to like, 
is it like half time or something? And Ken, I think, is their captain. And he's just like, what are we going to do, lads? But he's very he's very nice to her because everyone else is getting a bit annoyed with Liz. But Ken is still just like, no, no, it's all fine. We can do this, lads. It'll be grand. Well, um, Liz, uh, or Jessica suggests some sort of play that they have, some fake out move that they've mm. um, successfully used before. And of course it works. They win the game. And as they leave to get changed, Michael appears. And uh, he's all suave. And... Uh, he has a warm, deep voice that turns her bones to jello. My goodness. Yes, he invites her to. Uh, oh, yeah. He asks, can he give her a ride to the caravan, which is where it's this back. dance is going on. The caravan. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, so, yeah, she says that she's going to meet him there. I think her and Jess have to go home first to change and then they're going to go together. Uh, but, yeah, as as the uh, the night goes on, she realizes this guy is absolutely nothing like Todd. That Yeah, he looks like him, but the personality is completely different because he's mm. like he slags off the kind of buffet that Winston has put together uh, for like the refreshments and all that. And she's like, oh, my God, this is so unkind and rude of him. Um, But yeah, he's just he's not at all like Todd, apparently. And she's just really put off and like all he does is talk about himself. So she's like, "Okay, this guy kind of sucks, actually. He just looks like him. But that's literally as far as this goes. Mm. So, yeah, she basically has this uh, revelation that she she needs to to move on and she bonds with Enid who reminds her that she found it really hard to let go of George she sure did <laughs> um, so she decides she doesn't need a man to uh, to fill the the hole in her life because she's just acknowledged that like Todd going has left this you know this yeah. gap in like yeah. it is a big um, a big, big adjustment yeah yeah but it's up to me to make my life complete and I will just give me a little time good for oh. you Liz hmm course she's still worried about Stephen I mean we can kind of skim over yeah we can this, skip so, all that it's, yeah. he's yeah. just moping um we do get and I had completely forgotten that he showed up in this book uh we are told that um Cara has been going out with Archie Western oh my god yes <laughs> like we obviously just completely forgot about that boy until it was the girl they both loved when he popped up we were like Archie Western what a hilarious name totally forgetting that we had actually already encountered this guy <laughs> and joked about his name before yeah. because <laughs> um so uh yeah she uh, basically like liz um acknowledges that uh um liz liz judges cara and mm. jessica judges um jessica judges stephen and stephen blows up and says they're both big dicks and he's not wrong and uh says that um look cara's alive and trish is dead so you better mm-hmm. Yeah. So on Monday, uh, Todd rings. It's clearly boring Liz now with his tales of Vermont. The cracks are already showing. Mm. Yeah, that's it. Uh, she's she's kind of chatting to him, but it's just like, oh, she's kind of more concerned about Stephen, I think, really. But yeah. Um, yeah, and he reassured, like, I think Todd has reassured her that he and Gina are just good pals. She's like, so I feel better somewhat. But mm. like, yeah, it's it's not it's not like it was. Yeah. So uh, she's impressed that uh, she's basically heard good things about Cara and uh, from Stephen, who went out on a date to the zoo with her. And Liz finally thinks that Cara is good enough for St. Liz because she didn't kiss and tell after a date. She wouldn't reveal anything about it to Jessica. Um, So she apologises to her. And I tell her, as my notes say, to fuck off. But Cara's made of sterner stuff. And it's like, honestly, I remember that from... 
from that book. Like, I mean, Liz didn't have to say anything. Like, Kara didn't know any of this. And she literally goes up to Kara and says, you know, I didn't think you were good enough for my yes! brother, but now I see that you are. So you're welcome. It's just like, dude, fuck off. Either <laughs> just go up and tell her, look, I'm really glad that you and Stephen are together. You know, you seem to be really good for each other. Like, that's all you had to say. Or you could fucking say nothing and this stay out of this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so uh, yeah, Stephen and Kara go on a date. Uh, goes terribly because they go to Tri- Kara's taking him to Trisha's old favorite place where they play her oh, favorite yeah. music. Oh, this is when he ditches her, uh, ditches her on her birthday, doesn't he? Yeah. Yes. Oh my god, yeah. that was his birthday. <laughs> Fuck a girl. Um. So Liz realizes she's got to sort something out, so she goes to the bad side of town to talk to Patsy, and we get another graphic description of how scary it is which is kind of hilarious <laughs> yeah the, the shit side of town with the unpainted houses and oh god untrimmed lawns and all the oh. rest so yes there's weeds oh jesus um but yeah she chats to betsy and they they fucking figure it out like yeah, yeah. it's it's fine she and basically admits that like betsy can it's easier for well, so, easy for Betsy to move on but it's nothing Betsy yeah. does will sully the fact that mm. Trisha was or was her sister whereas if Stephen has another girlfriend it's like he's replacing her yeah so but he has to you know he can't stay single for the rest mm. of his life he's yeah. 18 so mm-hmm. Betsy acknowledges this and she gives them uh her blessing and then we have the little trick with Teddy Teddy Collins who Gives each of each carrot and Stephen a picture of the other drawn by Betty. And by Betty, yeah. So they're um, all fine now. <laughs> yes. So that's that uh, entire plot of the book wrapped up. But luckily, we have another terrible poem for Liz. So she wonders <laughs> if she can move on too. Oh my god! Yeah, she's uh, yeah, she starts to wonder like what's around the corner for her. Uh, she says, "Life goes on." That's what everyone says. I walk forward, my steps slow, looking over my shoulder into the past, waiting by phones and at airports. My steps halt, frozen in time. <laughs> so shit! It's like I need her in like a coffee shop reading this. It's <laughs> very solemn. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we cut to Monday and I think we can skim over a lot of oh, this. Oh, please. Because <laughs> the fucking grandparents are throwing, coming to town. And these grandparents are so tedious. They just seem to be such tryhards. Like they're constantly like, put on a show. We're going to take you here and there and open a fucking hot air balloon. Hot like, air balloon. We're going for dinner. We're doing this. We're doing that. It's like, oh, lads, you just relax. But yeah, it's also the book where uh, Emily Mayer has a horrible stepmother. Um, What's the stepmother's run, name, Karen? That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Horrible Karen, as usual. <laughs> Um, but yeah, she's, um, she's, oh yeah, she's have, she's got that little newborn baby called Carrie, which is really lazy naming because it's like she Carrie was with a Karen. K. Was she a baby Karen as well? She was a baby calling Karen, her Carrie. Yeah. Okay, so it's Karen and Karen and, <laughs> and they're both awful. <laughs> well, the baby's all right. <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, Emily is just really fed up and uh, the stepmother Karen is just horrible to her and she ends up having to like. She ends up work writing on the Oracle because Karen thinks it's a better pursuit than music. Uh, mm. And poor Emily's head is wrecked for the whole book. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we all remember this. Long story mm. short, Karen yeah. accuses um, em- Emily of um, letting her little sister um, endanger herself by eating a button, calls Karen, or Emily's mother a tramp and says that Emily is going to also be a tramp yeah. and forbids her to be with the droids. So that's just going on the whole way mm. through. Yeah. Uh, while Liz romps with her grandparents mm-hmm. uh, at once. Um, 
At one stage, she just she keeps saying how uh, how just hilarious they are. I swear, Grandpa cheats. They're playing cards. I told him so. And we all started laughing hysterically. They really are a riot. More fun than a lot of my sweet funny high friends. Do you think is there a carbon monoxide leak in that house? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what's going on? <laughs> All this laughing uproariously over nothing is a bit suspicious if you ask me. Yes. <laughs> Someone well, to send an maybe, inspector out. <laughs> I mean, aren't they coming from a state where you can grow her certain herbs? In the uh, <laughs> grandma and grandpa are up to something. <laughs> that would make these slightly hysterical giggles more relatable and uh, forgivable. True. <laughs> Oh, and as a side note, uh, Liz, um, this is a, a diary thing that we did not get, obviously, in the books, where apparently um, there's a cloud in the bright sky and it's talking to Todd because usually he's the one who puts stars in her eyes, but not tonight because apparently the magic is gone. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Is this when she kind of she's chatting to him, but it feels like they don't really get into anything deep. It's just kind of like a conversation she'd have with a friend rather than yeah. a boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, they have another hilarious night out in a Chinese restaurant with the grandparents who sound very tedious with their constant messing. Mm-hmm. It's like Grandpa pretended and he didn't know how to choose chopsticks, even though, of course, he does. Um, and uh, they're all just sort of goofing around the table. Oh. I will get the staff. Exhausting. Exa- yeah. Very exhausting. That's exactly it. They're just like they're on all the time. Yeah. Please just take a break. Have a nap for God's sake. So uh yeah, we get back to the Emily subplot. Um yeah, she's Karen's gonna send her off to boarding school and her she she can't tell her dad that Karen called her mother a tramp because mm. it would hurt him terribly. Um so uh yeah, she's wants to sell her drums. Dan buys the drums yeah. and um, that's that that plot is just going on in quite tedious detail the whole oh, way God. through. Yeah. Um, so, of course, you might remember there's also the Alice subplot. Oh, that's right. Alice feels left out because the kids are off with their fucking tiring grandparents every single day. So she's feeling left out of the gang and she keeps kind of trying to suggest these last minute activities with the twins. But then they're always like, oh, no, we can't because we're going hot air ballooning with grandma and grandpa, <laughs> of course. Um. But yeah, the, the solution to that is, I think Ned actually takes the twins aside and is like, look, your mom is just feeling a bit left out. Yeah. Um, so they ask, they kind of, they come up with a plan that they're going to throw a going away party, I think, for the for the yes. grandparents. But they go to Alice then to ask her, like, what should we do? And what's the right thing to do for food and all the rest? So she's all involved again and mm-hmm. she feels delighted to be included. So that's, that's that kind of issue I guess wrapped up <laughs> because they're paying attention to the Alice now so everyone's fine yes and uh, as the conclusion to the Emily story her terrible dad who you might remember was our sort of benchmark for terrible Sweet Valley men mm. for quite some time um, yeah he sides with Carrie or sorry with Karen when she accuses Emily of hurting Carrie yeah. and uh, yeah Emily is like fuck this runs away to the Wakefields and the wake of the mayor turn up and, and basically Carrie, Karen has confessed all and hmm. apologises as uh, as well she fucking might. I know. Um, I remember the dad never apologising though which I no. also was really shit because like he just 
believes the worst of Emily every single time and never gives her a chance to explain anything or put her side of the story out. And it's really, really <laughs> poor from him. And I just remember oh. being really annoyed that like, yes, Karen apologizes and good because she should. But like the dad never does. And it's like, well, dude, you're as much at fault here because you basically ignored your teenage daughter. Yeah. Like this entire book. It was really bad. Oh, it's appalling. Where And they sort of soften him a bit in this. They have mm. uh, like, he's just like toasting to families and we can all come oh, together. <laughs> and... I checked my notes for the original book. Um, save time, just copy and paste things. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the scene at the party where uh, in the book we have Grams consoling Emily with her own tale of happy families because <laughs> apparently when she married Bob, he was a widower and had a son from the first marriage called Louis and she was unfair to him. But then, you know, she knows mm. she resented him. But then by the time she was in college, he was like her own son. So much for, like, Austrian-Jewish Hannah on the <laughs> wartime romance of the fucking Japanese prison camp. What happened? Yeah, the... Oh, look, it, it was nonsense. So, yeah, Grandma Wakefield just made up that whole story <laughs> to appease Emily must be the solution there because none of that ties up with the Wakefield saga, like, at all. <laughs> I think it's further proof that the Wakefield saga was wild, wild retconning. Oh, God. <laughs> Truly, like, just... Yeah, quick, lad. Let's fucking fix this shit. <laughs> it is awfully wide in here. <laughs> the Wasp Patrol must, yeah. uh, must be, you know... Diluted slightly. It's just, just little. too little, too late, frankly. Mm-hmm. So, um, in the diary, uh, we see that the droids are at the party. They're playing a song called "Let's Get It Together," and everybody is sort of grooving really cheesily, like the Myers are snapping their fingers to the. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cringe. I just feel so bad for the droids having to play a gig in like the Wakefield living room to like grandparents. <laughs> and the <fucking> you suck. <laughs> well that's it for for emily for quite some time and mm. um, i don't think she ever gets a starring world again does she? i don't think so no well um yeah next day there's mystery afoot because we're on to hostage <gasps> it's getting juicy yeah it kind of it, it starts with uh liz kind of mentioning in her diary about how that delivery guy eddie mentions that he saw Regina uh, and is like well she's in Switzerland she couldn't be home she would have told me because they've yes. been in regular contact be, considering they're BFFs and all mm, yes well even Bruce uh, is uh, knows that she's not at home but, and mm. he rings the house and a stranger says she's Regina's aunt but Regina doesn't have an aunt <gasps> that was quite a good cliffhanger I feel like at the end of that book was that at the yes. end of Nowhere to Run yeah I think yeah. that was kind of the, they're like what's going to happen now and it's like okay that is pretty good yeah. <laughs> So uh, the next day, Liz is, um, you know, can't stop thinking about this. And Jessica thinks that it's just her Nancy Drew complex. (laughs) (laughs) And also points out, which is kind of hilarious. Jessica also points out that I'm kind of hypersensitive on the subject of kidnapping because of my own horrible experience. For as long as I live, I'll never forget the two days I spent tied up in that crazy man's cabin. I mean, you forget about it quite a lot. (laughs) It is bizarre how little she mentions it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah she calls over to um to see regina and uh, she drives up to goes right up to the door and the scary woman answers and says regina isn't there but liz sees regina in the background oh my god <laughs> it's uh apparently regina looked scared to death 
<gasps> my goodness yes even more dramatic than the book <laughs> yes it really is actually so uh yeah they actually do ring the cops uh that we know from experience what they're going to be like and mm-hmm. um they do ring back and say that they've checked the house and the woman is claire davis apparently sky's stepsister um but liz is still worried and she brings bruce who says oh well i don't know maybe her mother has a stepsister i don't know anything about them in the book i did check my notes from the from that the original he knows that she doesn't so okay yeah um there is a little bit of more suspense maybe yeah because there is a bit of that as well with things not exactly lining up with the books that they're recapping in it because even even in nowhere to run i feel like emily kind of turns up at the oracle uh saying oh i thought i'd give this a try like in this diary whereas in the book it's like no karen wants me to to be a writer instead of a musician (laughs) so it's like motivations are kind of changed somewhat here and there and things don't exactly tee up but it is kind of funny that they're just like yeah that was the gist of it it's fine yeah it's fine (laughs) a bit like us giving a recap really i mean yeah like we we have done entire episodes about each of these books so it's like this is hostage and then So the next night, she Liz confides in her diary about the crazy events of the day. Um, she so basically they delivered a message to Regina and a copy of Ingenue with Eddie's delivery. Oh yes, and uh, she throws out a message in her compact mm-hmm. that night. So yeah, apparently we all remember this. She um, was kidnapped at the airport at gunpoint, as were her parents. And <laughs> their... yeah, blah blah blah, gunpoint. You know yourself. <laughs> Normal stuff. <laughs> the huge. Yeah. So it's somebody who they, they want the prototype of a microchip that will revolutionize yes. the computer industry. <laughs> and Regina heard Claire on the phone because her hearing is almost restored mm-hmm. and uh, heard her say something that sounded like money is heaven. <gasps> so um yeah, they uh she wonders they all wondered like, is this you know some sort of code? Yeah, this is the, the clue, isn't it? Begins, they, yeah. <laughs> yes. The next entry begins, another insane day. And truly you speak for all of us, Liz. <laughs> Honestly, it's gas. Yeah, good thing Nicholas is back in town. Because, um, of course, they had to get him back on the scene. He was in San Francisco, Ugh. I think, when all this hostage taking went down. He was. So, um, yeah, so he's back now as well to, to join this little Scooby gang to rescue Regina. So he and Liz head to stake out the house, and when a car comes out of the gates, Nicholas, and you fucking know he loved this, <laughs> he kisses Liz so the drivers don't see him, mm-hmm. and he takes full advantage of this situation. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's. <laughs> This is like a tropey thing that happens anyway with stuff. It's like, oh, yes. no, they're about to spot us. Quick, what do we do? It's like, let's shift the faces off each other. Um, yeah. But yeah, like he does, he does go for it. It's like he, but then again, in this, in this version of things, Liz is very into it as well. Because it's like, I couldn't help getting caught up in the heat of the moment. The heat pouring from Nicholas's body into mine. <laughs> um, he was holding me closer than absolutely necessary. It wasn't just a pose. <laughs> Oh, that it wasn't. Um, so, uh, yeah, the disgusting old perv basically, you know, uses this as a as a moment to cop a feel, no doubt. But he does get the number plate. And yeah. um, I do remember in the book, this was hilarious because he thinks the driver looks familiar. And then he's like, oh, yeah, my dad did have an, an enemy after all. Oh, yeah, his name was Philip Denson. Oh, yeah, he got out of prison last year. Oh, yeah, that was him in the car. He lives on 123 Pinewood Lane. <laughs> Pretty much. 
<laughs> so later in the diary, Liz ponders the kiss and her passionate response to it. But uh, to make things even more confusing, Todd rings and she feels really guilty. And uh, she says that to herself or her diary that she's not going to tell anyone about this kiss. Not even Jessica. I mean, especially not Jessica. Like you're never at the end of it. Oh, very true. But yeah, it's funny because it's like they do all this kind of very detailed recapping of all the books. But the whole kind of... I guess through line is her kind of feeling a bit guilty about Todd or like things aren't the same on the phone between her and Todd. So that is kind of the whole kind of conceit, I suppose, of this whole diary yeah. thing is like her trying to figure out her feelings about Todd. So it does yes. kind of come back to that every so often. We're like, oh, and I had this conversation with Todd that you didn't hear about in that yeah. book because this is what we're doing here now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, because the next section is just a recap of how they find the, they find Philip Denson, they find hmm. the Morrows, they figure out the plot, they um, have a, st- a standoff with the crooks and uh, the next entry, entry is breathless Liz still stunned from looking down the barrel of a gun well no I'd say because we've gone all through, through this all already in another <laughs> episode and it was a very convoluted plan at the, oh God, the yeah. first place basically they rescue Regina celebrate at the Morrow Mansion yeah that's also, it Regina's <laughs> cured she is oh god job done although there are very funny details I feel like in this kind of hostage recap where again because Liz is just such a horn dog in her diaries it's like she's kind of like mentioning Bruce walking somewhere and it's like his broad shouldered back <laughs> it's like Nicholas was almost shot in his broad chest <laughs> he almost died but he's very handsome <laughs> well Nicholas drops the kid, the twins home after the uh, celebration in, in the Morrow Mansion. Basically cops a feel when he says oh, goodbye to Liz. Jesus, this guy. Yeah, just the worst. <laughs> when he finally released me, there were tears in his eyes. Mm. Oh, that's not all. Because next night, the Morrows have a big party. Something happens at this party that did not get revealed in hostage. Oh, yeah, again, deleted scenes. <laughs> so it's like, I have a secret diary. Nicholas kissed me again. No excuse this time. We weren't sleuthing. And I have to admit, it felt wonderful. <laughs> <gasps> yes, uh, party there in the patio, um, alone in the moonlight. Nicholas is so incredibly gorgeous. Those adorable eyes, that luscious black hair. Now, I thought he had blonde hair. No, well, this is it on the cover. He had this kind of light, kind of blondy, light brown hair kind of on the cover. But I think he is canonically meant to have like dark hair, but um, just never did on the covers. So it was always okay. a bit confusing. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yes, she she gets goosebumps all over thinking of it. We turned to each other and his arms went around me and I lifted my face and magic. Bliss. <gasps> but then she says, but then the moment was over and it was just a moment, diary. It was delicious, sweet and beautiful. Oh, come on. <laughs> I don't regret it. But she just kept thinking about Todd. And then she basically uh, says goodbye to him and psychically communicates to Liz that they're just good friends, I guess. Or to Nicholas that they're just good friends, which is, I guess, what um, uh, Stephen and Cheryl did. <laughs> It's the Wakefields. They all have telepathic abilities with whom they choose. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she really loves Ted. Todd? Ted? Ted? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. <laughs> it's like I that was thing where, like... I cannot be able... I can't be expected to remember the names of Sweet Valley characters in a recap of seven books at once. It's, it's a lot. It's, it's very much. And we are, like, only halfway through. <laughs> 
Well, and as we are halfway through, I think it's probably the best time to take a break um, because you know we are proud members of the Headstuff Podcast Network and uh, we'd like to share with you um, some other shows that are on the network. And this week, we're giving you a little bit, a little taste of Basically with Stephanie Preissner. That's right. Yeah. So Stephanie, she gets into all the topics, basically. Uh, she's had loads of episodes with uh, Professor Luke O'Neill about the pandemic and all the nuances and complexities of the whole situation. But like her episodes cover everything from personal finance, personal and mental health, everything from death to taxes even is, is how it's described, which pretty much does cover the whole lot. And Steph is there to break everything down to its basics. So you can have a little listen to the, the gist of Steph's show here now. Hello, my name is Stephanie Preisner and I'm here to tell you about my show, Basically. It's all in the name, really. The show makes things basic for people. We've done episodes about world religions. We've done episodes about COVID. We've done episodes, a lot of episodes about mental health and different aspects of mental health to make things accessible to people. One of the great things about the podcast is that you can contact me and let me know what topics you would like. So have a listen, see if anything tickles your fancy. And if there's something there that you think is missing, please get in touch with the show. We'll cover the topic and then you can listen to it. We're part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, so you can find us on headstuffpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. And now, back to Sweet Valley, where Liz is trying to chill after all the excitement, but Jessica's all worked up about the Centennial Committee. We have oh reached my- this golden age. Gas. Oh my God. I forgot how into this whole fucking committee thing. And I feel like this committee thing went on for books and books and books. That it was like, like it. it just, it was so funny. Because I feel like, yeah, Bruce is like the president of the Centennial Committee. And it's like, it starts off here, but it does feel like it really went on for ages. Oh it was so funny. They just love the admin and the bureaucracy and the red oh, tape of it all. It's so funny. They sure do. And uh, they sure love some slightly dodgy uh, activities in this uh in this celebration because Liz is going to man this kissing booth and she says well she didn't exactly have to twist my arm about that last part who thinks that manning a fucking kissing booth is like a fun time what diary Liz does because I feel like in in the book when this happened that like I'm sure Liz was like okay I guess I'll do it but like Liz never has like a bit of a twinkle in her eye about oh I guess I'll just kiss a load of boys like that's so not her vibe in the main series that this is just diary horn dog Liz coming to the fore again and I'm here for it she ain't fussy no. Literally, come one, come all. If you've got a dollar, she's down. <laughs> so uh, somebody else is going to be manning a kissing booth and who could it be, Karen? You can oh, in line. It's Ken Matthews taking the other half. <laughs> so uh, she's um, she is worried about Ken because of his flunking English. And... Um, She's also not very happy with his crazed passion for hands off Hadlan. Oh my God. Yes, because we are into Love Struck now. This is the recap we're doing at the, at the minute. And yes. the way Liz talks about Suzanne is so funny because she is like, Suzanne Hadlan, gag me. It's like, okay, Liz, the valley girl is coming out. Oh, oh and I'm here for it. 
Oh my God, she's so funny. She's like, yeah, sure, Susanna's is beautiful. She's super rich and sophisticated, but so incredibly stuck up. It's off the meter. She makes Lila Fowler look like a sweetheart. Why would Ken want to date the chief of the local culture police? Miss season tickets to the symphony. I go to films, not movies. Rock and roll isn't really music. She is such a wet blanket. <laughs> Feel this and keep going. She is going in on Suzanne, and it's hilarious. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, apparently she says that uh, Suzanne kind of wants to pretend that Ken is just an athlete by accident, and uh, that's her that his heart really lies with classical music and art. That's her dream, Ken. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she's she'd dump him if she knew that he was flunking out. So, um oh. Uh, she offers to help Ken and uh, says that she's she's basically you know he's a really smart guy, but she uh, also takes time to uh, a little perv over him. I mean, how could you not? Can you describe her description of Ken? Oh God, yeah, because poor Ken is like saying he's a crummy writer and he's really oh. sad. Uh, so Liz is like, even frowning, he was remarkably handsome. <laughs> Sky blue eyes and chiselled features. And I went without saying, the star quarterback of the Sweet Valley High varsity football team would have a phenomenal body. <laughs> I think at this stage I was like, did I write this? <laughs> and like black out and forget? No, okay. <laughs> well, good jokes that he needs you know what he really needs uh when it comes to writing um uh, a story is like a play-by-play like the coach would give them in, in um in american football mm. and coach wakefield springs into action so she basically gives him the notes that she made for the story she wrote which of course you will remember is about how great sweet valley is that is the most amazing story of all time ever yes. <laughs> so she says what are friends for and then later todd rings but it's it's not like old times. Yeah, again, it's it's just they've kind of they've chatted for about 10 minutes and have said everything they had to say. And she's like, God, how could that be? Like when he first moved to Vermont, we'd be mm. chatting away for hours on end, thinking they'd have to tear their, themselves away and the phone bills would be running up. But uh, but yeah, now she realizes they kind of stick to the facts. They don't get deep in their feelings the way they used to. Uh, mm. And she kind of realizes on one hand, it's kind of a relief because they don't end up crying because they miss each other so much. Uh, but she also feels like they started to just get they started to get casual about the distance between us. When did it start to feel normal? It's kind of inevitable, Liz, say to tell you. So the next day, Liz and Ken bond over their sex work booths and he <laughs> loved her story. Um, so the next day she goes with them to Suzanne's literary evening and she and Ken kind of keep catching each other's eyes and laughing over the awful yeah. poems. But he won't tell her anything about how his own work is going. And uh, she wonders, she says... Maybe it was really personal story. Maybe it was about dating. Hands off, Hadlon. And then she writes, ha ha. (laughs) 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 But the next day, Elizabeth writes, something really awful happened today. She is Elizabeth betrayed. Oh no. Uh, Yeah, so of course this was the whole main I guess plot point in Love Struck where mm. uh, where Ken submits Liz's story as his own uh for his 
assignment, I guess. Yeah, for Mr. Collins. But then, of course, Mr. Collins thinks it's so amazing that they're going to print it in the Oracle. So Penny comes bursting into the offices uh, with this like story. And she's like, oh, my God, it's so amazing. We're going to put it on the, the front page of the centennial edition of the Oracle. Fuck um, and everyone's marveling over the, the hidden talent that Ken had all this time. Uh, but of course, Liz reads it and is horrified and kind of tries to she doesn't want to drop Ken in it I suppose which is kind of fair enough but she's also like we can't print this like she wants to talk to Ken before blowing up this whole scandal uh, in front of the whole staff but uh, yeah it's uh, she's just really upset by this because you know it is pretty poor from Ken in fairness it is and um, uh, yeah but when she finds him and he he does feel bad and when she tells him it's going to be put on the front page of the the oracle we're told he pales beneath his tan (laughs) (laughs) still hot (laughs) even when pale he's not really (laughs) so he says he'll sort it out but he chickens out and liz is just really angry um Hmm. and she thinks that ken can never make it up to her but their next diary entry reveals that he can um, because as you may recall, he has written a full confession basically in uh, in the form of a new um a new story. And um she says to he says basically like put it out, put it on the front page instead. Yes. And it's, um and Liz goes for it. And the entire school, when it appears, go nuts and Liz is actually for once quite freaked out by how sort of you know how much her school revels in human misery <laughs> true yeah because I suppose there's so much speculation now that Ken has come clean that like oh my god is he going to be kicked off the team is he going to be expelled like what's going to happen here and it's like they're taking bets on what's going to happen to poor old Ken so Liz is kind of disgusted by like how people are just kind of loving the drama of it all and not really thinking about the actual consequences for Ken here yes poor Ken so uh yeah she's really impressed by his honesty and she's impressed by more than his honesty if you ask me (laughs) (laughs) she keeps thinking our friendship is going to survive maybe become even stronger ken matthews is a pretty cool guy he sure is (laughs) he's one cool dude (laughs) (laughs) so uh of course kind of allowed to play um and uh he um he he is the star of the show the next day at the actual match, as you mm. might recall. Um, Liz also describes in great detail how brilliant the centennial celebrations were. So of course she likes that because it's all about Sweet Valley, her favourite subject. Yeah, her only subject. <laughs> yes. So yeah, Ken saves the day in the speech and Liz finds him afterwards and he uh, kisses her nose. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> a free song there and then <laughs> Suzanne tries to make up to him and he's willing to forget her snobby dumping of him when she found out that he was a flunking cheater mm. um, but uh, she only wants him as long as he'll pretend that he's like a, a sophisticated artsy fartsy type um, <laughs> so he dumps her with his favourite his famous speech that's right yeah when he's like oh you know history lectures bore me and actually I feel like the actual speech was a little harsher than what's in this Mm. um because she's trying to drag him off to a history lecture instead of going to the party but um 
yeah, he's just like, no, these things, uh, yeah, literary lectures bore me to tears, literary evenings and foreign film festivals and stuffy dinner parties at the Hamlin Mansion. Uh, but I feel like in the in, in Love Struck, he says, and frankly, you bore me to tears. He <laughs> did, kind of, you're right. Something like that, which feels a little bit harsh, but she was very mean to him in fairness. Oh no, she deserves um, it. She does. So Liz is kind of watching all this uh, from, I don't know, behind a hedge or something with it <laughs> and just delighted uh, because uh, the party's kicking off and her and Ken are back at the kissing booth, but not kissing each other. Just you. Mm, um, no. But yeah, she kind of, she says, I wonder if his lips are as puffy as mine. Oh. I, haven't been, I haven't been doing a lot of kissing in the last few months, if you know what I mean. It's like, I would beg to differ, Lee. Yeah, you <laughs> would take a me. lot more yeah. than somebody who is supposedly in a long distance relationship. Uh, more than any of us thought, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> um, she, uh, I can't believe she thought this. She's like, I thought it would be kind of a kick, but let's just say I could probably last without kisses for another few months. A good motivation to save myself for Todd's next visit. I, I don't know why you would think kissing any random, unattractive weirdo who came up to you would be fun. Yeah, it's a weird concept, isn't it? <laughs> when they see a Wakefield twin, can you imagine the creeps that are going Cues to crawl out? out the gap? Oh my Ugh. god! Yeah. So um, yeah, uh, strangely enough, it wasn't a wildly erotic experience. <laughs> nope. Now she just got a cold sore to show for it. <laughs> oh, that'd be the least. Jesus, even oh, the thought thought of it in these COVID times. Oh, grim, hideous. <laughs> So, of course, we get the reminder that Jessica had her catering crisis, but saved the day with her cheap sangers. And mm. uh, Liz is like, oh, that's our Jessica. She literally hey. does say that. Yeah, it nearly like, <laughs> does like a that's all folks kind yeah. of porky pig vibe at the end there, because it literally is. That's our Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jessica's craving more excitement. So we have reached... The walk around the clock extravaganza. <laughs> and you know what that means. Oh my god. Day after day. <laughs> no, we have to wait. Oh, it's going to happen. <laughs> so, uh, yes, the droids have announced their contest. And Liz wonders about setting one of her terrible poems to music. Yes. Oh my god. I think I think it's your turn to read a Liz poem at this stage. <laughs> I just, I, I won't be able to get through this one. <laughs> Okay, so she wants to sell it to music, does she? Well. No. <laughs> Rainy Sunday, foggy Monday, closely creeping fears. Can't take much more of this. Drive east, drive fast, until at last, <laughs> desert rain must dry my tears. Like a kiss. <laughs> I knew it was going to have to be a whisper at the end. Because <laughs> it doesn't scan. It doesn't at all. I was just <laughs> improvising that and I was like, can I make this scan? No. It was great. Well done. <laughs> right, thank you. Well, Liz isn't going to be singing, sadly, because she says, I have a voice like a seagull. Squawk, 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 she writes. Oh, it's the one thing the Wakefields can't do is sing. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're amazing at everything else. Oh, well, they've got to have one. Yeah, sure. That's Achilles heel. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, she uh, notices Lynn Henry sitting by herself and patronizingly feels sorry for her. Oh, God. I know. Instead of, like, just sitting there going, oh, poor Lynn all on her own. Oh, oh, my God, this is awful. Like, why don't you just go over and talk to her? It's your favourite thing, like, butting into people's business. Oh, well, give her time. She's going to be <laughs> hot on that trail soon. Uh, meanwhile, by the way, Ken has some big news. 
well, yeah, he's going to visit Todd in Vermont. Uh, I don't remember this from Alone in the Crowd. So I feel like this is more kind of like extra stuff they've kind of I agree. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it was in Alone in the Crowd. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, apparently uh, Liz, the, the realisation that Ken is going to see um, Todd makes Liz wish she could uh, pack herself into Ken's suitcase. Mm. So she th- guesses the love is still there. Oh. Then we cut to the softball game <laughs> the one that they did instead of going to class brilliant oh my god uh yeah the annual junior class softball game at Seca lake uh, and i just remember fondly slagging this off uh, yes. but we get a bit more detail about it this time because it was i remember i was reading back over notes again and it was like the softball team like or the game was like sponsored by mr jaworski and mr collins and it was like that makes no sense at all but it turns out they each had a team so it was the patriots because mr j teaches american history versus the bards in honor of mr c's love of shakespeare <laughs> was this also the event where mr collins was serving up burgers with sizzling wish could have been Oh, maybe. I mean, there's been, that... two, there's been mm. more than one. So. Oh, look, yeah, that's also true. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Liz uh, thinks fondly of Todd and happy times they've spent at similar, you know, frolics when they should be learning some lessons. And um, <laughs> she notices Guy talking to Lynn and she thinks this is so fucking patronising. She's like, I almost didn't recognise her. I really think it was the first time I'd ever seen her smiling. She actually looked pretty. That's why I'll prove that her big, clunky glasses aren't the problem with her looks. It's what's going on inside that matters. And most of the time, she just looks so forbidding, so closed off. So smile more, Lynn Henry. Let it shine. Oh my God. Fuck. Fuck all the way off Liz <laughs> Jesus but I also went back and checked because I remember being really annoyed at her for this and in the book it was like it was that Lynn Henry when she smiled looked almost pretty <laughs> <laughs> so at least here it says she actually looked pretty which is so kind of Liz oh so generous <laughs> oh wow <laughs> the fucking cheek of her like telling a girl to smile fuck oh, all the way out god. of here oh my god so later, Liz and Enid listened to Billie Holiday, which was in the original as well, and mm. uh, Jessica's rocking and rolling. Um, <laughs> and later, Todd calls and admits that he wishes Liz was coming instead of Ken and reminds Liz that she still loves him. So the oh. spark is still there, mm. but not for long. <gasps> mm. So on Friday, uh, we can sort of skim through all of this because yeah. much as we love it, <laughs> um, we, we have spent over an hour on this book already, as in yes. on let alone the crowd. <laughs> so li- the the droids are playing the the entries we mm. hear on the outside looking in. We get Yay. the full lyrics. Um, so everyone's dazzled, and Liz relates to this girl who doesn't want to publicly share her art, like Liz herself, because apparently she's fine about sharing her journalism, but she doesn't like other people reading her poems and stuff. And you know, you're probably right there, Liz. Just give oh, them to yourself. God, definitely, but also, yeah, she kind of refers back to being so squirrely about giving Ken the uh, the short story in the first True, place. Yeah, because there was actually there was a line back along then when she kind of felt she mentions, oh yeah, that uh, she hadn't had second thoughts about giving Ken the story folder, but I couldn't, I can't feeling a little bit anxious exposed it's as if he's seeing me naked or something (laughs) which was so spicy for sweet valley high i was just like okay (laughs) it's swear i think it is sweet valley nights it It is it's happening (laughs) at last (laughs) 
<laughs> so uh, yeah apparently uh, Liz goes to the beach disco by the way she says the good thing about being single you can dance with as many guys as you please I didn't miss a song um, I mean like you didn't need to dance with somebody at clubs in the 90s like slow sets maybe if you're going to the mm. sort of place that plays slow sets yeah, which I certainly wasn't in the mid 90s friends yeah. yeah you could just dance <laughs> yeah <laughs> But again, jiving. you know, in Sweet Valley society, one has to have a dance partner. <laughs> one's and a dance, dance card must be filled. <laughs> <laughs> one cannot simply get up and dance alone. <laughs> no, not like some every kind of mad, teenager. No, not some kind of mad spinster. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> or rather, you're dancing up a storm like Liz with all the guys. Or that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he... Uh, he talk. She talks to Guy, who admits he fancies the mystery woman, mm. and Liz is touched, and she wishes she could feel love again, because uh, she wonders will she ever get get over Todd? But will her heart? If she does, will her heart ever take wing like that again? <laughs> <laughs> so we then cut to the next day. It's at the music center. We might remember that this is where she discovers Liz, Lynn's identity. She hears her singing and uh, she um, she confronts Lynn and tells her that like, look, Guy is in love with you. You have to come clean about this. Mm. And Guy says that, or Lynn says she knows Guy wants a girl, like a young <laughs> Linda Ronstadt. And so they're, they're at least acknowledging the passage of time. <laughs> that is something. Because yeah, even at the time it was like, oh, just like Linda Ronstadt. And even then it was a slightly dated reference, I feel like. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they've kind of yeah done a bit of of fixing <laughs> here. But um, yeah, that's the whole thing is like because they here I think it was a guy and Lynn had a whole conversation about Linda Ronstadt and how guys yes. love to like play back up for a singer like that. Yeah. So it's kind of a a, a little kind of clue for uh, for their conversations yes. as it goes on. Yeah. So Liz agrees to keep the secret, but after the dance that night where they sang uh, on the outside looking in, um, she has a chat with Guy and she mentions that she, she, you know, it basically comes out she knows who the mystery girl is, but that she's mm. sworn to secrecy because yeah. the girl thinks that Guy is expecting some, you know, young Linda Wadstaff type. But of course, Guy guesses who the mystery girl is. Mm. We, we got to Monday. Guy has managed to produce flyers with a beautiful sketch of Lynn. <laughs> We never find out who commissioned, like who did the sketch. I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, there's always some like handy artist knocking around in the background, isn't there? That's like, oh, this person's really good at drawing. They can do a perfect portrait of somebody in 10 minutes. Grant. <laughs> um, and then Lynn turns up with her makeover. But I am not pleased with the wet conning here. This is a different outfit. Yeah. Where's the jumpsuit? Oh, no. But the, yeah, no. I Again, I went back and checked and the jumpsuit <gasps> happened in a different scene it was her at home I think she kind of puts on the jumpsuit oh. and does her hair and her mum comes in and then Lynn gets all upset and she's like oh my god I look so ridiculous I don't know what I was thinking and her mum is like no you look unreal like you just okay. need confidence in yourself but she does show up in a in a like little makeover outfit to school but it is it is a different outfit to this but it's not a jumpsuit okay oh I stand corrected I, I apologise ghostwriters but no I, I can see why you would you know I, I, would, I was also hanging on to that jumpsuit as like the Lynn Henry outfit but then I had to go back and check yes. and I was like oh we we just decided that was her iconic outfit. False memories. Wow. There you go. Yeah. So uh, Liz is delighted. And she's even more excited because uh, Amy Sutton's moving back to town. Hey. 
now, <laughs> time for bitter rivals. <laughs> yeah, and I have to say that we're going to have to just skim all of oh, this. Oh, for sure. Because just so many, like, Amy stands up, Liz and Enid. Enid keeps yeah. postponing the trip to Tahoe. Um, the one thing I do appreciate is that apparently we have this thing that uh, going on in the background that Jessica needs a new cheerleader for the team. Um, obviously, Amy is going to take that place. Spoiler mm. alert. And we do get kind of a detailed recap of the awfulness with Annie. So at least they're sort of acknowledging mm. that that happened. True. Yeah, but it's kind of played as, you know, Liz just reminding Jessica to just, you know, be fair and pick the best girl like no matter what all this kind of thing rather than do not bully girls to the point where they actually feel like it's gotten to the point that they're going to take their own lives because yes. you're Please. a psychopath yeah Bare um, minimum, played, come on. oh look fucking hell like it's still played down quite a bit but i was glad they at least acknowledged this is something that happened yes so, yeah, we have at school, Lila sneers at the buck-toothed Amy of yore and we hear about her hot cousin Christopher and the party oh, in his honour. From Kennebunkport, wasn't it? It was! <laughs> um, I do like that Liz kind of rolls her eyes at the thought of, like, this is going to be the party of the season because she, she literally writes, big deal, right? Like, Lila doesn't throw the party of the decade practically every month. True! <laughs> Fair, Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, she can't wait to introduce Amy to Enid because she writes, they have a lot in common. Me! Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the only things that are really worth noting in this are the little extras. And one of them is that Liz gives Ken a care package for Todd um, because uh, he's apparently gone on a few dates with Gina, but his heart wasn't really in it. This oh yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, that they're, they are properly more like friends now. So she is kind of relieved at that. Yeah. Mm. So, of course, Amy returns. She's had braces. Uh, she's super hot. And she just talks about <laughs> hunks and nothing else. Mm. And the worst thing is, is that when Liz takes her back to the Castell Wakefield, she totally forgets about Enid. Like, just thought of Enid does not cross her mind. Oh, even though she's written she's... in her diary that she has meeting her that day. That's right. She's supposed to meet Enid at the beach, but then she ends up running over to Amy's because they're here like a day earlier than planned or something and literally just hangs out with Amy all day long and does not even try to contact Enid. It's very poor. So pretty. Oh my God. Left all day at the beach. Pretty bad. And the, and the next day, Enid is understandably pissed off, but Liz persuades yeah. her to go out to the pancake house where, of course, you might remember oh, yes. Amy is dieting in a very uh-huh. unhealthy way. Yep. And when Amy goes to the loo, Liz is frankly deranged. She keeps saying things like, isn't she great? Don't you love her already? Don't you think she's easy to talk to? Doesn't she have a great sense of humour? Can you believe how gorgeous she is? It's a personality that really shines. I mean, the personality that is shining is a boy-crazy maniac. Yeah. (laughs) Very true. Like, yeah, Liz is kidding herself. But she does, like, all the way through this book, it's like Liz insisting that Amy is the best while Amy continues to be terrible to everybody. (laughs) Yes, including Liz. Hmm. But someone who's not terrible is Ken. (laughs) he's returned from Vermont and he's bearing gifts oh that's right yeah and I kind of I presume it's a gift what is it a gift from Todd for Liz or is this something that Ken has got for her yeah I thought they were gifts from Todd yeah Um, okay and uh yeah because he has um yeah, no, he says Todd sent this along for your folks. Yeah, and it's... First gift, which is some maple, maple syrup for... Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I guess it is meant to be from Todd. But I was kind of like, is this from Ken, though? <laughs> but yeah, he gets... Or he hands her a box that she opens, and inside there's a scarf, hat, and mitten... Uh, 
set uh, in a beautiful white and pale blue snowflake pattern. Uh, and it's lovely and soft and woolly. And Ken is like, yes, it looks good with your eyes. Uh, and, uh, oh, what is it he says then? That uh, you'll be a real cute nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Cuter than any girl in Vermont by a long shot. So at the minute, it's all very friendly with her and Ken. Uh, and they're just talking about how he got on in Vermont. And he's like, look, Todd's a very loyal guy. All we really did was talk about you, which doesn't sound like much fun for Ken, to be fair. No, poor Ken. You really is a noble friend. <laughs> Isn't he? Like, he's putting up with a lot here. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, Liz hugs him and says, thanks for bringing Todd close again. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, we just have then a number of occasions where Liz, Amy is being terrible, ditching yeah. trips that she's arranged to do with Liz mm-hmm. needed to try it for cheerleading um, ditching Liz then on her own to go home and phone some hunk in Connecticut. And uh, she gives Liz a very tacky makeover. Oh, God. Yeah, she. <laughs> that is pretty funny. I feel like that was in the book as yes, well. Yes, I think it? it was. Yeah, that's it. Because yeah, Amy is yeah, she's putting makeup on Liz and like, how dare she? Their peaches and cream complexions are perfect as they are. Um, <laughs> but she like outlines Liz's eyes with a midnight blue pencil, puts on black mascara, a vibrant pink blusher. Uh, she throws like a dark red lipstick on her. She's like, oh, you're a real femme fatale. And Liz kind of checks her reflection. It's just like, oh Christ, this is awful, and just tries to scrub everything off immediately. Well, I have to say vibrant pink blusher and dark red lipstick do not go no like it sounds like an insane combination whatever she's got going on there (laughs) well um liz oh as well she can't um come to the the already rescheduled tahoe trip because of lila's party Mm. so um yeah uh so she basically thinks enid will have to understand we'll postpone it again and Liz rings Todd and a girl answers and Liz thinks that Ken is keeping an eye on her. But who's keeping an eye on Todd? Oh, my God. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Enid grudgingly agrees to postpone the party. And afterwards, after talking to her, Liz pops over to Ken and they have a very nice, cozy evening hanging out with Ken reassuring her that he has nothing to worry about. This Donna <laughs> yeah. girl who answers Again, the phone. Because it's like <laughs> Liz, like I told him about Donna the bimbo answering the phone <laughs> at Todd's. And he burst out laughing. According to Ken, Donna is in a bunch of Todd's classes. They're friends. They get together to study, but they're definitely not a couple. And he keeps kind of reassuring Liz that Todd does not have a new girlfriend. And it's all very like, oh, funny and friendly. And Ken kind of tells her stories about Vermont and all the rest. So it's like, oh, we're having such a great time. He's the greatest guy. I enjoy his company so much. I'm so glad he dumped that horrible Suzanne Hamlin. Mm. So, uh, yeah, uh, Amy ditches Liz again and it inspires her to write a story. And it's all so terrible. Oh, God. It's awful <laughs> she says i just had an idea for a short story a girl about my age lives in seattle her name is dot 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 colleen colleen o'hara <laughs> lord when she was small colleen had a very special playmate camilla but camilla moved away when they were eight so colleen hasn't seen her for half a lifetime years later something really terrible has gone wrong in colleen's life her parents are getting divorced or she's sick with some terrible illness or one of her sisters and brothers is sick but on top of that her boyfriend just broke up with her and she's doing poorly in school so she's in despair on the verge of doing something drastic when a girl appears out of the blue and saves her life and it turns out to be camilla only colleen doesn't recognize her at first because they both changed so much over the years best friends again and Camilla's true friendship gives Colleen the strength to cope with her problems wow what? <laughs> she's, she's sorry. amazing 
<laughs> that's a great idea, Liz. Well, <sighs> she tells them, I want, are you want, tells the diary, are you wondering why I didn't name them Elizabeth and Amy? I'm wondering, I'm wondering it myself. But it wouldn't be true. <gasps> hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, over the next few days, Amy keeps ditching Liz. And then there's a famous party. Only three words. Princess Diana wig. Oh, fucking yes. Yeah, because it was a, a costume party. So everybody's in fancy dress. And like, there's no bonus fancy dress here. Like, it's all stuff that we already knew. But it's still nice to revisit it because, you know, you've always just got to love Lila dressed as Princess Diana. <laughs> you just can't go wrong with that. Like, what a combo. Especially as I believe we are recording this on the 25th anniversary of uh, her tragic death. Really? Yeah. So, um, yes, I'm sure, it's, I'm sure it's what you would have wanted to be immortalised sure. in three <laughs> But yeah, we've got the full thing about Amy trying to steal Christopher from Enid, faking mm. injuries who will give her a lift home, Liz accusing her of being sneaky, Amy having a tantrum that shows her true colours, uh, Enid thinking that Liz was in cahoots with her. Um, but of course, the next day, they reconcile uh, and she realises, like, she tries to re... Amy and Amy's just fucked off to the beach without telling her. Yeah. So she admits Amy has changed. And uh, yeah, but all's well that ends well because mm. uh, Chris and Enid are getting together anyway, despite Amy's schemes. Yeah, so it's all fine. Yeah, because they knew each other from some sailing camp or something, or he was an instructor at some summer camp that she was at at some point. I don't yes. know. There was some connection from previous there anyway. So they, uh, they're all having a great time now without Amy. Mm. So it's all fine. So now we are getting on to the Sandy Bacon versus Jean era, but mm. that's absolutely thankfully going to happen in the background. So we don't really have to bother with it. Yeah. Um, Stephen is uh, coming home for yet another break. So uh, she, Liz is throwing him a surprise party. Why? Oh, Why? What is wrong with him? I know. It's like, oh, he's never home. He's always there. You are never shot of this fucker. But like, this is also the one where he decides he's going to drop out of college yep. and go work on a cruise ship instead. <laughs> It is, which is actually, was quite entertaining in its stupidity. It was. <laughs> but uh, when she's thinking about that, who should call over for a little rendezvous? It's Kenneth Matthews. It, one Kenneth Matthews, indeed. He stops by after dinner, apparently. Uh, yeah, so she apparently was just thinking about Todd and wishing it wasn't three hours later on the East Coast so she could call him. And then the doorbell rings and who should it be but Ken? So they go to Casey's uh, and eat some hot fudge sundaes. She's like, I'm so glad Ken and I came through that thing with my short story with our friendship intact. If anything, we're closer than before. Hmm. Yes, <laughs> you certainly are. <laughs> so they bond over being, quote, between romances. And mm -hmm. uh, they, they say that they're both happy being single. Um, but... Uh, yeah, they sort of say that it's important, you know, to have a proper friendship when you're in love. And he, she, he and Suzanne weren't really friends. Um, so uh, she wonders if Ken gets lonely too, and she hopes that he'll file, fall in love with a girl who who'll appreciate him. She's out there somewhere. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, because it is quite sweet, because Ken is like talking about how easy it is to chat to Liz and how he always had to kind of watch what he said when he was with Suzanne, but that it's just it's really nice with Liz because he doesn't have to kind of be so aware of everything and he can actually just relax properly with her. And it's like, oh, that's kind of nice. Yeah. So Liz is too busy planning this party for Stephen to, uh, you know, which is, you might recall the, um, oh no, this is before they have the, 
they haven't they, it isn't the reverse psychology going away party not yet um, no we haven't reached that yet <laughs> but um, anyway she's playing another party and she's too busy to worry about Todd uh, who's apparently going on a date to with another girl to dance because apparently you have to have da- dates in Vermont too oh well it's a, a, a countrywide mandate apparently <laughs> So Stephen reveals he's going to drop out and work on a cruise ship and Liz decides the reverse psychology scheme. They put it into action. That's just blathering on the background of all of this. Yep. So Ken calls for Liz and they go to the pictures together. It's just friends, but there's a free song when they say goodbye. There's a glow in Ken's eyes. I'll tell you, do you know, they do have chemistry. Like, this is the thing. They do get along. Uh, Like, he's lovely. So, like, they did have a great time at the cinema. They went to Guido's, I think, afterwards and, like, just chatted away for ages. Um, And, oh, yeah, there was a funny bit where I think they went to a horror movie and Ken is like, I love going to scary movies with a girl who doesn't shriek and dig holes in my arms with her fingernails. And Liz laughs and says, I did shriek at one point. And Ken goes, yeah, but I was screaming too, so I didn't notice. (laughs) It's very endearing. It is. (laughs) Well, when she looks at Ken, his blonde hair glimmers in the moonlight. There's a warm glow in his eyes. My breath caught in my throat and felt my heart thump with extra force. For an instant, gazing into Ken's eyes, I knew how Suzanne felt when she was with him. I knew why she'd clung to Ken so stubbornly. She, she she continues. Can you share her uh, her swooning thoughts? <laughs> yeah. Um, she says, yeah, she probably looked up at him in the moonlight just like this. And he was so handsome and strong. She just wanted to, she just wanted him to wrap her in his arms and never let go. Well, good night. I squeaked, clutching the doorknob. So she kind of panics slightly uh, because she's kind of like, shit, I think I'm going to be into Ken. He's very hot. Yes. Um, and he says good night, puts a hand on her arm. And she's kind of like, what are we supposed to do now? Like shake hands, peck each other on the cheek. Uh, so she kind of turns back to face him and he gives her a hug. So she kind of laughs because it's a little bit awkward or she feels a bit awkward at least and just says, okay, see you in school. Um, and he kind of waves goodbye and heads off back to his car. <laughs> but like, she's like, I followed him with my eyes, drinking in the graceful lines of his broad, muscular back, his long, lean legs, a shiver chased up my spine. That's Ken Matthews you're thinking about. <laughs> and again, I was like, was this? No, this wasn't me. Okay. <laughs> It's like this diary Liz is so thirsty. It's like absolutely oh. go for it. it <laughs> I love it. It's hilarious. <laughs> so she thinks that she must be, you know, tired, feeling weak and vulnerable because her heart was still doing backflips. There were goosebumps on my arms from where Ken had touched me. Oh my God. <laughs> she says, pretty weird, huh, diary? If I didn't know better. I think I was falling for Ken. <laughs> so the stupid Stephen plan is continuing, but mm. there's just one point she almost rings Ken to, uh, she tells herself she was going to ring him to ask, you know, something else about Todd in Vermont, but then stops herself because she realizes that wasn't why she wanted to Ooh. talk to Kenneth. <gasps> she had, you know, she's, she's fighting her own feelings. Indeed. So, uh, yeah, at school, the PBAs are all talking about the stupid scheme with Tom McKay and the genie and Sandy thing. But the important info we get in this scene is that Liz is avoiding Ken in school in case the rumour mill goes wild when they see them together. Mm. And when they have the Friday the 13th dance, which was the big showdown event, supposedly, um, for, you know, uh, oh, Jean Ke- was supposed to, like, humiliate Tom as, like, her pledge thing for yeah. PBA or something yeah yeah 
uh, well, we could at least we don't have to think about that boring uh, <laughs> detail because we've got Liz and Ken. They're dancing together all night long, and when the they hit a slow dance, Liz's pulse races. Yeah, she kind of says, "Let's take a break." You know, I'm pretty breathless, aren't you? And then Ken is like, "Ah, one more slow dances aren't too strenuous." Um, mm-hmm. so like he puts his arms around her shoulders. Uh, she circles her arms around his waist. Gingerly, I rested my head against his chest. Have we ever slow danced before? I found myself wondering. I didn't think so. I didn't think I'd ever been this physically close to Ken Matthews. <laughs> you sure this is a fan fic. Seriously, Karen, come on. <laughs> I've been playing the long game all this time. I've been waiting for us to get to my fan fic. And now it's here. <laughs> AO3, it's me. <laughs> Well, you've surpassed yourself, Karen, because uh, you. <laughs> even though slow dancing isn't that strenuous, why is her pulse racing? Why is her face so hot? Oh, my God. And she's like, I know you're just looking out for me. You can ask any other girls to dance. And Ken says, what if I don't want to ask other girls to dance? What if I only want to dance with you? Oh, my God. <laughs> and their bodies sway together to the slow, sensuous music. <laughs> I couldn't answer Ken's question. I wouldn't. What if? (laughs) So uh, she knows what's happening to her. She says, I wasn't born yesterday. I've had feelings like this before, but I can't give in to them. She thinks she has to nip it in the bud. When they were pressed together, they were both generating an awful lot of heat. (laughs) It's so juicy. (laughs) Actually, the chemistry is there as you said like honestly like it's off the charts considering her and todd together it's like oh god snooze fest but her and ken weirdly her and ken and her and bruce it's like there Mm. is genuine fucking sparky stuff happening here and it's very enjoyable to read it really is because uh, yeah she turns down an invitation from Ken to drop her home because she doesn't trust herself in a car with him mm-hmm. um, but uh, she also tells us that there's a a new kid in town uh, Jeffrey French uh-huh. and Liz uh, Enid has her eyes on him but <laughs> but she can't Liz can't focus on him because my gaze kept straying to another tall blonde athletic guy Initials KM and then writes in all caps, don't do this, Liz! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> that is very teen diary in fairness. I love that. Totally <laughs> is. I, oh, it's, I, we're getting to the juicy stuff in the book now. It's nearly over, but there's still... The be- they save the best till last. That's it, yeah. <laughs> because we get a recap of Stephen's stupid going away party, which of course, uh, you know, the reverse psychology works. They turn a batter around and it's like, you know well done on staying Stephen or something can't even remember Um, (laughs) Jeffrey's there Ian's really into him but Liz wasn't paying all her attention to this new match because she has a confession can you share it please Mm, yeah so like the party's going on her and Ken are in the kitchen uh, kind of loading up a platter with sandwiches and they're kind of it's really cute and bantery and they're talking about Stephen and how you know she's so glad he changed his mind about working on the cruise ship Um, and then they kind of they're finished with like loading up sandwiches and they both kind of look at each other It's like something in Ken's eyes told me I should take a step backward away from him Mm -hmm. pick up the platter I commanded myself carry it to the living room Liz he said his voice deep (laughs) oh my god (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, he kind of takes her hand uh, and instead of backing away, she lets him pull her outside to the patio. Uh, it's all dark out there. They're in the shadows. Without another word, Ken folded his arms around me, lifting me slightly. Holy shit. So oh his mouth could God. find mine. I'm sorry, this is hot. <laughs> <laughs> And they kiss. Uh, I kissed him hungrily, my fingers tangling in his hair. Meanwhile, his hands were on my neck, my shoulders, my back. We couldn't seem to stop touching each other. Maybe because for weeks we'd been dying to do this, but holding back like, holy shit, lads. (laughs) That's some juicy stuff right there. I don't know if you if there's any listeners who've watched the amazing uh, German TV series Babylon Berlin, but there is a scene where two characters just walk out the door of a party to kiss and sort of just go back in again and I'm not saying this is as hot as that (laughs) one of the hottest things I've ever seen on a TV screen but it is not not hot it's spicy I'm sorry he lifts her up I'm like damn lift me up (laughs) (laughs) and there's something about the way they just sort of Go out silently outside. Oh my god! Just yes, the kind of like is, uh, the electricity in the kitchen, like is hopping, and then yeah, it's like they're like taking her hand, taking her outside. No words exchanged because yes. we are on the same page here. Right. Oh my god, <laughs> it is saucy. I love it. I cannot believe we are saying these words about a sweet valley. <laughs> about sweet valley, hi. Who, who would have thought? I mean, <laughs> turn up for the books. That's even more. So. I don't. I think that's probably the best yeah. of those sort of scenes. But like the heat is not turned down because the next day Todd rings. Liz, of course, is racked with guilt when he mentions Ken, and she tells herself, "Look, it can't happen again." And Todd's probably been kissing other girls. He probably has. Um, but she admits that stopping this passion between her and Ken would be like stopping the ocean. <gasps> and- <laughs> I, had, I had to see Ken, and he felt the same way. Oh my god. So yeah, she lies and tells her family that she was going to uh, Olivia's to study. Mm. But no. Mm-mm. No, they met at the beach. Uh, <gasps> so yeah, they uh, they sit down on a beach blanket. Uh, she's like, I think we should talk about this. Ken kissed my face, my throat. Go ahead, he whispered. I'm listening. <laughs> oh my God, no, you're not. And I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> So they keep um, like they're lying on the blanket looking into, into each other's eyes and they're like, we know what we should do. We know what we want to do, but they're not the same thing. And uh, then Ken pulls her body close to his. Our lips met in a deep searching kiss, a kiss that exploded like fireworks inside me, flooding my whole body with fierce heat. <laughs> OK, <laughs> I think we I think we might be doing more than kissing. Where were his hats? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they finally got to the point, Anna, where they're putting their hands in each other's pants oh, and mad. having a good time. <laughs> oh, sweet Valley Nights, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Worth waiting for. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Oh, God. I have to say, as well, if anybody's ever had like some sort of, you know, romance that other people shouldn't know about, even for a short period of time. They kind of, I have, and okay. kind of get it here. <laughs> like when there, she's out with all her friends, and she keeps feeling as if it's written all over my face, like a billboard. I'm crazy about Ken, and he's crazy about me. And uh, it's basically they. Um, she feels it must be obvious the whole time, but of course it uh, isn't obvious because we've read these books. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's it of course yeah so it's all this like yeah very kind of you know oh we're waving at each other from across the cafeteria trying to pretend like nothing's going on but like they are sneaking off yeah. to meet each other yeah. like during the week they're oh. lying to their parents it's all like oh my god it's so sexy and sneaky <laughs> it really is <laughs> But somebody else is on the horizon. Lila's noticed a newcomer Jeffrey and says, What a bod! <laughs> so, uh, they, yeah, they tell Lila he's a farm boy, but that doesn't put her off. And of course, Jess and Lila are on the hunt. Um, and Liz encourages Enid to stalk her prey. Yes. <laughs> so, Jenny, of course, the cousin, arrives. Oh, yeah. And Liz is really mean about her. I don't think she's like, it's, this is kind of no. nasty, Liz. I don't it mind is. her being mean about sort of random girls who, you know. Random Vermont girls. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. There's no mistakes. <laughs> this is her no. cousin. And it's yeah. Kind of... And also, I feel like she wasn't this mean in taking sides about Jenny. It was very no, much like Jessica, Jessica being fed up with Jenny and being really annoyed with her. But it also seems like Liz is. Well, maybe not to Jenny's face, but she is very mean about her in the diary. Like, yeah, she calls her a pill. Mm. But uh, because she's staying in Jessica's room, it means Liz could sneak off to meet Ken. <laughs> her sexy shenanigans will not be stopped. <laughs> I mean, seriously, this horniness has been waiting a while to burst out. And it's... Honestly, <laughs> you can only repress this shit for so long. Yeah. <laughs> but um, she does wonder if this uh, sexy secret romance is worth it. It is. Um, because. <laughs> Then Todd sends her a package, a big cuddly University of Vermont sweatshirt to keep her warm because he can't be there. And she cries for the first time in weeks. Weeks! And wow. I just put this one girl for weeks. <laughs> Feels like it's only a few days in the, you know, in the original book, but no, apparently. Um, she didn't run straight to Ken for comfort. Oh. So yeah, we get the uh, the scheming going on in the background with Lila trying to keep um, Jeffrey to herself, and mm. uh, Liz vowing to get revenge. Uh, but uh, then she heads uh, to the moon beach. <gasps> I was so happy to see this <laughs> again. Yeah, because all the like taking side stuff is kind of happening as well. But it's like, yeah, we don't care about that. It's the sexy secret stuff with Ken. That's the real yeah. juice uh, in these chapters. So yeah, they they drive down to the Moon Beach Cafe for a burger. Uh, but she feels really guilty because uh, she had missed a call from Todd, I think, while she was out. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, it's very much like, I wish I had someone to talk to about this, but I can't tell anyone, not even Enid. Ken is as torn up about it as I am. Uh, and over dinner, we both agreed we had to end it. We had this really calm and reasonable discussion, even shook hands to seal the deal. From now on, no more secret rendezvous, no more late night phone calls. But the next thing we knew, we were strolling along this deserted strip of beach. Ken took my hand and all resolutions flew out the window. <laughs> I mean, next thing you know, they're dry humping on a beach. Pretty much. Yeah, it's like we crumpled to the sand in a passionate embrace. It's like, again, there is more than kissing. Absolutely. Here. It's like it was almost scary being overpowered by my emotions that <gasps> way. Yeah, they were fucking oh. sure. <laughs> <laughs> so she says she'll tell Ken she can't see him anymore. I'll tell him tomorrow. Or the next day. Oh, man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the next day she's wondering how she can keep up this facade because so she hasn't told, uh, broken up with Ken. Um, apparently everybody's wondering about who will be the next lucky lady in Ken's life. <laughs> and uh, she wants to say, couldn't they see that the girl Ken has his eye on was like, sitting right next to them? <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, her plan to fix up Enid and Jeffrey is a mess because Mr. Collins <laughs> uh, asks uh, her to show Jeffrey around the Oracle. And I'm sure we'll all remember this. It's when she keeps trying to insanely 
steer him towards Enid where he is making it really obvious he fancies her. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, she's, um, I, I guess they, they could, you know, in the book, this was all meant to be, the original book, it was meant to be Enid is reacting so strongly about uh, or sorry, Jessica, Liz is reacting so strongly about Enid because she's trying to fight her own feelings for Jeffrey. But now we know she's like getting it on on a beach blanket 24 7. And honestly, this makes more sense now. Like, I know yes. it's, it's probably, it's like it's retconning to a, a degree, but it does make taking sides read a bit better because it's like, mm. well, this is why she was so like oblivious to Jeffrey really being into her because she was so caught up with her secret Ken on the side. Yes. So like it just it, it makes it makes more sense as a storyline for sure that she's all kind of like, oh whatever, Jeffrey's there and oh I think he might is he into me? Oh no he couldn't be. Oh it's fine. Don't worry about it. And just yeah. being all distracted and weird uh because you know she's got things on her mind and much better things on her mind. Oh my God. <laughs> much better than Jeffrey. Um but she does end up breaking things with Ken and they realised because um, she says we can't do this anymore coming to the park is no one will see us here not being able to go to the movies go out to dinner to hold hands at school hasn't it been driving you nuts and he's like but I'd be even more nuts if I couldn't spend time with you Aww. but she says we can still spend time together in public too if we do it as friends and he says you mean go back there's a ragged edge to his voice oh my god <laughs> poor Ken Jesus <laughs> She's like, I could tell he was close to tears. I nodded, blinking back tears of my own. Yes, go back to the way we were before. So they embrace and for once it doesn't get them all heated up. <laughs> they don't collapse to the ground in a big mess. So that's it. Oh, The hottest again. relationship ever seen in Sweet Honestly. Valley is over. The fucking, like, it was, it was sexy. There was chemistry, like... This shit does not happen that often in Sweet Valley High and it is a shame. But also it's like, oh, you know, the guilt was too much for both of them and they they both never felt like they'd be able to just be public about their relationship. So, oh, and I guess it does tidy it away to mm. make sense for Todd coming back and it not being a thing. Um, yeah. It's a shame because, God, this was great to read about. Oh, it really was. Now, I can't remember what secrets are revealed in the next volume of the, the Secret Diary, but we mm. will definitely turn to it at some stage in the future. Mm. as another special oh, definitely. now we know what they're capable of doing listeners. Honestly, I mean I think it's going to be hard to top this because this was great <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah Jeffrey's still around so uh, we have the, uh, the the final plan to hook him which is of course buying him with cans oh my god yes Patman canning it's time to shine uh, the auction <laughs> is happening and that's of course Enid's plan is that uh, she's going to get Liz to talk Jeffrey into putting a date with himself up as a prize for the thing and it's of course really awkward when Liz is trying to broach the subject with Jeffrey because he's like oh yeah oh oh and you're going to bid on me yeah. as if it's a really roundabout way that she's trying to ask him out Um, so it's super awkward and embarrassing and yeah Enid has her plan to get Lila out of the picture for the day of the auction yeah. and then uh, yeah she bids her like 75 cans or whatever it is <laughs> <laughs> um, and they do they don't mention Bruce's sexy picture they uh, have retconned that haven't they though yeah, yes like, because they it was a they say he is offering a uh, tennis lessons yes tennis lessons with Bruce now no we real ones know it's a sexy picture a candid shot of him in tiny swimming shorts yes 
there's also and, wet cutting with Mr. Collins because remember yeah. it was like a home cooked meal yes. for Mr. Collins, but yes. now it's him and Teddy. Yeah, served by Mr. Collins and his son Teddy. It's like, oh, you realised it was going to be inappropriate, is that it? Oh. <laughs> See, that's it? Throw his kid into the mix to take all the sexiness out of him. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, as you said, Enid bids 75 cans uh, and wins. And But of course, the date is a bust. She doesn't care. And Liz um, <laughs> writes the next day that she is, quote, full of emotions as well she might be and um, yeah. because of course they had the big food drive weekend beach party because <laughs> that's how you help the poor people of sweet valley a bunch of teens who want to fuck each other hanging out at the beach yeah there's a volleyball but can't even remember so um yeah she's like forcing uh jeffrey to take photos of enid and bullies li- like enid is literally in tears oh, awful yeah so cringe <laughs> so um She's uh, she, she's literally crying as she begs Liz to stop. <laughs> Liz, like you have to try harder. Oh God, it's terrible. And uh, then she finds Jeffrey, and I sort of forgot about this because he has been hashtag poor Jeffrey for so long. But there's the moment where she is like banging on about him, was like, why won't you, you know, why doesn't it work with you and Edith to give him another chance? Mm. But he shakes her. Oh my god, that's right. Yeah, we did not like Jeffrey at first. Mm. <laughs> it's like these boys are way too fucking liberal with grabbing girls and shaking them and putting their hands on them and we don't like it. <laughs> but um, yeah, he kind of ends up yelling at her that like he doesn't want to, to date Enid. Can can you get that through your thick head? Which I don't think was a line from Taking no, Sides. Or just, that just not. that felt new to me. Uh, mm. But yeah, he does kind of grab her shoulders and shake her and it's like, okay, take your hands off this girl mm. immediately, Jeffrey. Um, but yeah, it seems like there's just... There's always something with these lads, <laughs> isn't there? There's always a moment where you're like, oh, and you've disappointed us. Except Ken. <laughs> Except Ken. Now, he's had a few touch and go moments here and there. Oh, he has said never, a few stupid things. He's said true. some stupid shit, but he's never put his hands on a girl unless it was in a real nice way. <laughs> oh, very nice. And actually, in fairness to him, he always sort of learned his lesson. True. So, yeah. you, know, yeah. you know, when he said something it, stupid, he was chastised. That's it. He's, he's either immediately humbled by Terry or <laughs> or kind yeah. of realizes the error of his ways. So, exactly. yeah, he's he remains the best of a bad lot. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Enid, Jess, she talks to Jessica, uh, who says Enid will forgive her. And Jessica is just average anyway. And Liz is like, no, he's not. He's brilliant. And then, of course, she realizes she fancies him. Mm. And uh, she... Um, she she confesses all to Enid and Enid is cool uh, yeah. about it. So they laugh about it. But uh, then she just or Liz notices that Jeffrey is dancing with Lila. And what should she say when she sees this? Oh God. Uh wait, where is that bit? She says no. <laughs> Poor Jeffrey! <laughs> I forgot that was coming. Oh my god. <laughs> poor jeffrey i said my eyes straying to the dance floor (laughs) there it is that's the moment oh my god hashtag poor jeffrey (laughs) it's canon it happened (laughs) so yeah she she dances with she cuts in and dances with jeffrey and he says they have to talk and he is like this better not be about enid which is swear to god (laughs) but he says his heart belongs to someone else and of course it's her and they kiss Mm-hmm. and uh, later she writes in her diary that she hadn't been letting herself admit her feelings for 
for Jeffrey because that would mean it really was the end of her and Todd. Like she really had moved on. And hmm. she says that Ken wasn't a threat because she knew that she'd never really commit to him. Now, is that true? Because the chemistry between them was better than anything she's ever had with any other boy. Truly, it was so good. Yeah, it does. Yeah, she does say the thing with Ken wasn't really a threat. It couldn't go anywhere. But I guess it's just that their own guilt was kind of yeah, going to stop them true, from ever yeah. actually like fully yeah going public with the relationship and, and being open with everybody about it so it was more like a self-imposed kind of barrier on that relationship I guess yeah. Yeah. um so yes they have um uh they've they've she's committed to Jeffrey now and she thinks mm-hmm. that she would never love anyone as much as she loved Todd well that's a great way to start a new relationship but uh, <laughs> got to try indeed and that is the end of the diary because we cut to an epilogue set in the present day, whatever the hell that is. Yeah, well, this is it because we had our prologue at the start where she had the row with Todd, if you all remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the leisure shenanigans and Michelle, the bitch with her cute buns lines. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're kind of cutting back to whenever that is taking place. Yes. More or less. Yeah. Um, so Liz finishes reading her diary as she's re- spent the whole <laughs> night reading through her 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 very dramatic history and she thinks uh, I'm only 16 and already my life has been so full I mean I'll say <laughs> that was only up to book 31 <laughs> <laughs> so she goes downstairs to meet coffee I know she'd be lurking outside the window this would scare the bejesus out of me it's like five in the morning or something honestly like she literally says the first light of dawn is breaking and then out in the driveway like oh Christ well there's Todd <laughs> <laughs> like Michael Myers <laughs> My overall stuff. <laughs> he lives to get my knife. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's uh, the yes, the shadowy silhouette is just Todd, and mm-hmm. he um, he apologizes and he says Michelle, the coupons letter writer, was just his team manager in Vermont. They're like siblings. Liz is the only other girl he's ever loved. They'll love each other forever, and Liz feels the same way. <laughs> But just conveniently leaves out the fact that she was literally scoring the face off Jeffrey, like not like a few hours earlier, because it was like the night before. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, she says, I'd given a piece of my heart to other boys, to Ken, to Jeffrey. But Todd was the only one I'd ever cared for with all my heart. Mm-hmm. And as she and she says, and at that moment, looking into his adorable brown eyes, my heart beat with the deeper, stronger love that I'd ever dreamed possible. I love you forever too, Todd Wilkins, I promised. A diary? I know I will. Oh my God. (laughs) Until Tom Wildman Watts turns up at SVU, I suppose. (laughs) Well, there you go. Things change, Liz. (laughs) And that was Elizabeth's Secret Diary. That was way more fun than I thought it was going to be. Because I'd never read any of the Secret Diaries. And that was tremendous crack, I must say. I mean, obviously there was a good bit that you could kind of skim over. But Uh like the extra stuff was really good. (laughs) It was. Oh my God. The Liz and Todd stuff. Actual heat. Who honestly, like Liz and Ken, I mean... Or Liz honestly, and Ken, sorry, what yeah. am I saying? Liz and Todd. It's that thing yeah. where like, you know, your mom can't remember who she's talking to. And it's like, <laughs> she runs to all every sibling's, siblings names or all your cousins, depending on whose house you're in. Yeah. I've all been there. I'm one of four, so this happens. It still happens to this day. Yeah, well, there's only two of us and I'll still get like a Joseph Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Or actually, sometimes mom will call me by her twin's name. She'd be like, Geraldine, uh, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, I was at a large family gathering with all my aunts and uncles and I got called. Uh, I doubt I got called my name more than twice <laughs> in a row. It was just any any Carey sister would do. That's it. One of the Careys, you know yourself. Yeah. <laughs> interchangeable. Um, so listeners, let us know what you thought, because obviously we can't read ourselves out. Because um, mm. I'm looking forward to hearing the stats and outfits now. And yes. I'm sure there will be many of them. It's yeah, it's outfits more so than stats. Now, Ooh. I say that, but we still got two mentions of the Wakefield blondness, even though most of it was in first person. Which wow, is that's, impressive, I think, because I mean, it is impressive. They still managed to get two two blondness <laughs> uh, mentions in. Now, there was no mention of the blue green eyes because that would be a little harder to pull off, I'd say, because you're not going to be writing in your diary going, "My blue green eyes were sparkling with tears," you know, <laughs> that wasn't really going to work. So, so just the blondness for now. But yeah, the outfits surprisingly fucking did great um mm. so we do have liz in the prologue uh at the beach disco wearing her swear her, my new swirly rayon dress and mm. a pair of jessica's platform sandals which i enjoyed mm. um we also had uh oh liz mentions her oh yeah well she's chatting to awful nicholas at some point uh her face was now the same magenta pink as her polo shirt very preppy wow but i guess awesome. that uh <laughs> very very pink like magenta pink. that's quite dark mm. Mm. she might have rosacea and just never mentioned it before um so nicholas turns up at some point dressed in white linen pants and a striped cotton sweater so he's very uh he's sailor ready <laughs> oh he's preppy at all times <laughs> he sure is oh yeah we had liz in her skimpy nightgown which i simply do not believe no um lynn okay so Lynn turns up with her her little makeover at school. And now in this book, it's a light touch of muted eyeshadow bringing out the gold in her green eyes. She's wearing stirrup pants, a loose, colourful sweater and dangly be- beaded earrings. But like I went back and checked and I'm pretty sure in the book she turns up in like it's like black jeans, uh, a white shirt and like a a crayon bright vest. It's like a so, so it's some kind of bright colour. Maybe, yeah. Oh, of course, a waistcoat. That's what they mean, isn't it? Yeah, when they say vest. I always picture like a sweater vest, like, oh, like, like a tank would top. wear in Friends yeah. <laughs> or something like that. But yeah, they probably do mean a waistcoat, I guess. But yeah, so it's just, it's a different look. It's not a million miles away. But again, it's just funny seeing stirrup pants show up so much uh, because it is the 90s at the time of this book, but it was not back then. Um, yes. So then Amy turns up when she's uh, moving back to Sweet Valley. She's looking both sporty and feminine in a flowered lycra miniskirt and an oversized T-shirt, which, again, Mm. very 90s. Very much. Very Uh, uh, Kelly from 90210. Oh, very. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Even kind of like Saved by the Bell as well, isn't it? Oh, yes, actually. It's It's like, it could be either Kelly. It could be Kelly Kapowski or Kelly from 90210. And then what else? Oh, is it Enid, I think, is looking for something to wear at some point. And again, she holds up a, pa- a pair of black stirrup pants and an oversized sweater for Liz's inspection. So I do enjoy it. It's like, yes, stirrup pants are what the teens are wearing. <laughs> Very much banging that drum. Uh, but yeah, that was it for the outfits. And I have to say, that was way more because I just I didn't really expect outfits, I feel like, from this book. Yeah, but, uh, me too. But it, it's surprisingly delivered on that front. Ah. <sighs> Well, um, I mean, I, the one thing I also I did notice happened a lot was uh, Liz's temperature rising. Mm. <laughs> that is true, actually. Yeah. <laughs> For various reasons. Listeners. The mercury was popping, lads. 
Well, let us know what you think, listeners. You know where to find us. We are on Twitter at SVH Podcast. Yeah, you can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And we are on Instagram at svhpodcast, um, where Karen has been putting together an amazing poll of uh, the best covers. Now, I think the the grand finale is going to go live today. So if you listen Mm. to this episode the day it comes out, it will hopefully still be on our Instagram stories. Um, Because really, there's been some surprises. I tell you, I, you know, I thought things were going to go one way. They go completely the other way. It's been unpredictable. Like, I'll throw it all up as a highlight anyway, so you can relive the chaos and drama, because there's always fucking chaos when we do these big polls. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be, yeah, finale day will be the day that this is out. So yeah, again, depending on, on when you're listening to it, check the Instagram stories. You might still get to throw a vote in because it's going to be a hell of a showdown. Oh my, I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm genuinely quite, quite tense about it because there have been so many. <laughs> it's very upsets. stressful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even doing the admin. I'm just like, enjoying it. <laughs> You're just getting to vote and have the fun with it. <laughs> I was there trying to put up 20 odd polls in a day and making sure I didn't mess things up. And oh God, the stress. She's like, got charts. <laughs> she's got charts, listeners. There is a notebook crammed with stuff on this. I, I have put the work in, you guys. She really does. <laughs> Well, we appreciate uh, the work that you do, uh, letting us know your thoughts. Um, a lot of people uh, contacted us about attitudes to interracial relationships in the early 90s. Maria McHale said she just come across a, um, uh, a study showing how approval of um, marriage between black and white people in the U.S., has risen over the years and actually it was quite worrying it was pretty low in the early 90s so it, I mean yeah the... it yeah surprisingly I guess you know Sweet Valley wasn't completely making everything up or you know oh god doing things wrong because it does seem like yeah it, those stats were kind of surprising I must say yeah so we heard from um Ms. K, MSed to Dr. K, 2024, uh, Teal Mama 2 on Twitter. She said, hi, just listened to Ari and Love and had to chime in. I'm black and grew up in a small town, Mississippi, in small town, Mississippi, and attended a 98% black high school in the early 90s. Interracial relationships were treated like a huge scandal back then. When I first read the book, I was surprised, but not really considering how white Sweet Valley was that California would act like that, considering how liberal it's always portrayed in TVs and books. In Mississippi, it's more accepted now, but I'm still bracing myself for when I uh, for when I finally bring my very white Jewish boyfriend of three years home to meet the family when I attend my 30 year high school reunion next year Mississippi has made some progress but they still have a long way to go well we, we wish you the best of luck mm. with that and uh, hopefully you won't have to perform some sort of show stopping dance routine like <laughs> Carol and Stephen did because uh, I mean the that, that story really treated things in a both dramatic and extremely trivial way at once, which mm. um we're you know we're we're hoping that that things work out better for you. Um, you weren't the only person to to talk about your your own experience on this topic, uh, because quite a few people could could relate to the uh, the 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 like I guess not quite the same and um, you know the same extreme mm. of shock yeah. in Sweet Valley. But uh, definitely, you know, to some extent, um, sorry, I'm just scrolling down. Yes, Holly Elaine said, I grew up in the American South and was in high school in the late 80s and early 90s. An interracial couple would definitely have been noticed, commented on by a few, but largely would not have been a non-stop 
topic, but the SPH reaction doesn't seem that far off from reality, especially for a largely homogenous environment. Um, and uh, yeah, sorry, I'm still scrolling down. Yes, Anne Lynch thirty said interracial dating was very taboo in the states in the early nineties, especially in the south. Um, SoCal was more liberal, but definitely would have been uh would have been talked about back then. So mm. yeah, it does seem that we you know. Again, we we do appreciate learning from you because we uh, we were shocked, but maybe we shouldn't have been so shocked. Well, that's it. Clearly, it wasn't out outside of the realms of possibility that that could have been a you know a, a reaction at the time. Um, and it does also seem like it was one of those things that was kind of covered not always very well, like in TV shows at the time as well. Like Katie Longstreth mentioned that there's an episode or a few episodes of Nine Hundred Two One Zero from this era that had the same kind of energy. Uh, like in one, a black family moves in by the Walshes and Steve makes a racist comment about jungle fever. Gross. Uh, Also, the B plot of that episode involves some mishaps with the Walsh parents having uh, some kind of security system issues. There's a problem with like fights at a football game and the Beverly Hills gang solves racism by inviting the other school (laughs) to a dance. Not great messaging for sure, but it was considered edgy for the time. So it is kind of one of those things that was like, you know, a topic to tackle in teen tv shows as well so i guess sweet valley or at least the storyline in that sweet valley book does kind of fit in with the media of the time too yeah weirdly yeah true so uh yeah thank you everybody for um for letting us know your your Mm. thoughts and your experiences on that and uh, we really appreciate you you sharing with us um but uh photog shan pointed out something that was off in this book on a much more trivial level first off nobody i mean nobody doesn't fancy a wakefield they're like (laughs) crack for the eyes (laughs) <laughs> even though Verdi Stephen has to troll the high school to find girlfriends they are top notch underrated <laughs> secondly Jeffrey Lila's Aryan prisoner has finally escaped at least we now know why she liked him so much <laughs> oh Jesus <laughs> Um, by the way, HGV said the groom's father was breast man is indeed an occasional thing in my somewhat progressive American South experience. Um, so we again, we learn so much from you listeners. Honestly, yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> we're just wrong about everything all the time, basically. Mm. Well, um, uh, HGV also said, I do think the Sweet Valley, like many fictional universes, is conveniently categorised to suit whatever the plot contrivance calls for. Small-mindedness, play of the pleasant-filled aspects, sophistication, note how LA-adjacent it is, etc. <laughs> Very true. It's kind of a like size-to-fit type, um, type of a town, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. So, uh, yeah, um, they, uh, we, we also heard Photog Shan say, we all know Stephen only likes girls that look like Victorian ghosts. <laughs> it was never going to be a runner. <laughs> Jen Cantrell said, Jessica's dr- wedding dress from her fantasy, you might recall, reminds me of the dress Stephanie Seymour wore with the November Rain music video. This was my dream wedding dress when I was younger. And the glamour granola agreed. Yeah, I think uh, somebody else actually got in touch with us as well to say that that's what they pictured too. Like, and it is totally the, the era appropriate uh, mm-hmm. version of like a short wedding dress with a long veil is fully that look. Yes. Yes. And there was a rumour in my school when that video came out that Axel Rose had tricked Stephanie Seymour into marrying him by getting a real priest to carry out the ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> How devious. <laughs> we 
rumor unconfirmed <laughs> um, the Tamari uh, said imagine a series that's adult Cheryl recounting to a therapist how she moved to Sweet Valley in her teens <laughs> <laughs> oh there'd be rich pickings there <laughs> Truly. Also, um, Lisa McGee said that she's uh, obsessed with this Gilded Age crossover with Lila and Bruce as the self-appointed Mrs. Astor and Ward McAllister of Sweet Valley mm. deciding who's in or not. It makes so much sense now. Young ladies can't even go out without a chaperone. If Liz and Jess are Christine Baranski and Cynthia Nixon, does that make Stephen the creepy son who's preying on the young Russell girl across the road? She certainly fits the age profile. Uh, true. Mm. Not to mention Prince Albert as Pumpkin the dog, arguably the best character in the show. I mean, that would be <laughs> Hard. So. <laughs> Nail on head, Lisa. I love it. <laughs> we also, um, I've got to thank Abby Chandler because we also heard from her and she said that uh, she's just been catching up on some recent episodes and Don't Go Home with John reminded her of a plot point in Lenora Mattingly Weber's uh, Beanie Malone books um, set in about teenagers in mid-20th century Denver. Now, I had never heard of Beanie Malone, but... Um, thought it looked like the sort of thing I might uh, might enjoy and mm. I got a couple on my Kindle and I love them they are ah. also they are so much fun they're really you know the characters are great they're, you know they're witty um but also they're a reminder that Aunt Shirley was talking through her hole when she was talking about <laughs> the you know girls going on dates because these are suburban Denver teenagers in like 19 Denver again yes <laughs> Oh it's the Denver episode, lads. Yes, it all mentioned like five times. But <laughs> they are going on dates. They're wearing makeup. They're driving cars. Oh they're parties. They're driving cross country uh, from Denver to California on a road trip. <laughs> Boy, like it is, it's all go. And Shirley, who would have been a child herself at the time, based on the mm. timeline. It's clearly living in a very sheltered world. She was shouting, <laughs> oh, my pills constantly. <laughs> Walkersville does not have enough pills for Shirley. <laughs> but Jess, thank you very much, Abby, for uh, for introducing me to those books. And there is a character in them called Lila. So oh, wow. Maybe <laughs> Francine was a fan. You never know. Actually, yeah, speaking of names, uh, Helen Jeffries sent us an email saying that she started listening to Don't Point That Horror At Me because it's a point horror uh, podcast. And the third episode about the secret admirer uh, has a main character's mother called Grace Fowler. (laughs) Does Lila's mother have a secret second family? I mean, who knows what's going to happen after the... Anything, uh, honestly. Anything could happen once Margot comes on the scene. It's basically the YA multiverse after that point. I know. I mean, there is... Uh, there's there's, there's a lot coming on uh, in, in the future uh, because mm. this is, you know, the we are taking the deep dive next week. We've had a brief respite with Elizabeth's secret diary, a trip down memory lane to a simpler mm. time, some would say. Absolutely, the golden age of Sweet Valley. <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, it's coming soon. We There's no going back. We are going into the Margot era. Oh my God, the jungle prom, you guys. It's happening. But if you can't wait two whole weeks for the start of the jungle prom... You can get Sweet Valley in your ears every week with uh, Headstuff Plus. Yeah, if you head over to headstuffpodcast.com, you can sign up to support the show uh, for as little as five euro a month. Uh, when you subscribe, you get access to all our bonus content, which is now like a 
series and a half, if not more, <laughs> of recaps of the Sweet Valley High TV show, which is the best crack. Like, we are so oh invested. God. We love everybody. Like, even when we slag off characters, we do kind of love them in a weird way. Genuinely <laughs> do. Like, it's so much fun. It's completely bananas. Each episode is more chaotic than the last. And I think the next one, we got confused last time, but the next one is going to be like a Christmas one. That's basically, oh. it's a wonderful life where like the Wakefields are showing what Sweet Valley would be like without them. Winston's an eight. Angel, I can't fucking wait. It's unseasonal, but it's going to be the crack. <laughs> and I mean, last week we saw an alleged, uh, and I, I really must stress, a legend, Ken Matthews on screen. No, I'm sorry. I have no recollection of that. I, I must have oh. repressed the entire incident. <laughs> well, I think somebody accidentally then recorded in real time your face <laughs> while watching it. I can't just put this in our Instagram. It really, as we seem to be believed, it's a, it's, a, it's a roller coaster of emotions, a tragic tale. It's like all the stages of grief at once. <laughs> <laughs> She's so optimistic at the start, listeners. So but you see, it's, it's because you hear him saying, hey guys, and then it cuts. So you actually hear him before you see him, which is why I got so excited <laughs> for that oh. split second. And then it all comes crashing down. Uh, Yes, through the medium of my face, <laughs> you can experience my disappointment. <laughs> well, listeners, don't you want to uh, to to hear more of our reactions to this ersatz Ken? Uh, you can do that by going to headstuffpodcasts.com and uh, yeah, you can choose whether you want to give your five euro or more. We're you know we'll take more um, <laughs> to uh, just to us, or do you want to spread it out to some of your other favorite headstuff um, podcasts? podcasts and uh yeah we are having great fun there and we really appreciate all our pi beta alpha sisters uh, you know who you are um <laughs> and we uh we love hearing from you but we also love hearing from all our listeners and if you're not up for joining headstuff uh, plus you can support us by leaving um reviews wherever you get your podcasts mm. because uh yeah we always forget to remind people to do that oh. it does apparently really help it does and truly we, we this is like the second time we've probably said it in like two or three years but yeah it's it really is a huge help to the show if you yeah is it a rate rate and review that's the one oh, yes. um and even just kind of, yeah if you just share it tell your friends about it spread the uh sweet valley nonsense and uh yeah it's it's a great help to us and a really good way to support us that doesn't cost anything indeed so pi beta alpha sisters we will see you in the clubhouse in one week when uh, we find out when what happens when Angel Winston asks, you call this <laughs> a wonderful life? <laughs> but we will see all of you in the main feed. Oh my God. In two weeks. What is happening? <laughs> when we find out what happens when a jungle prom Oh my God. <laughs> leads to a night to remember. <laughs> it's happening. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> we'll see you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. 
Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com. We are professional grade.